Welcome one and welcome all to the greatest horror movie review podcast in the multiverse and beyond why it's dead and lovely. Here with the host with the most, it is I, once again, as Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. Oh man, you got that sexy, smoky voice over this there. This week on Dead and Lovely, Ooh. a very special episode. Are you trying to get back into competition with Delilah again? Is that what's Fucking, going on? Yeah. Because, all right, this is, here's, here's the real shit. Lay it down. I heard she was talking shit. It's been a while. I've been around town. Yeah. People have been saying like. The feud between Dead and Lovely and Delilah has been long mm-hmm. documented. It used to be a pretty big feature on some of those early episodes. <laughs> I feel like the, the flames kind of died down for a little bit, but yeah. that bitch want to talk some shit. Yes. She's spreading shit around town, so it's on, Delilah. It's on. Yep. It's back on. Gonna punch you in your old lady face. <laughs> old lady face. I've never seen Delilah. I don't know what she looks like. I assume she's older, right? I think. In Maybe my she's head, not. Like, whenever I hear her, I assume she looks like all of our moms in the 80s. Yeah. You Still, know? Like, yeah. definitely, like, there's some shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. There is She's got some, some of those gradient uh, glasses that are, like, oh, rose-colored. Oh, dude. I yeah. always fucking hated those. Mm-hmm. Those are hideous. I hated those. When I was a kid and, like, somebody's, like, you know, uh, a mama or somebody's mm-hmm. wearing those, I'd always be like, God damn, I hate how those look. Yeah. Could you imagine all day, every day, indoors, you're looking through gradient light? Like, colored light? That has to be awful. Can you imagine fucking anybody in the 80s? <laughs> just, ew, no. Gross. Just get away. Sorry. <laughs> You're all gross. Steve, it's been about about maybe 45 minutes since we casted. <laughs> That's true. Been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> How you been doing since last time we casted, Steve? Oh, good. I ate a, a, a Taco Bell steak power bowl, no rice. Uh huh. Yeah, keeping them carbs mm-hmm. low. Good uh, idea because we're drinking co beers. That's true. And then uh, we talked about what we were going to talk about on this episode. Wow, man. So that's all I've been up to. Pretty exciting. Pretty <laughs> exciting stuff, man. Yeah, me too. Funny. I've been doing the same stuff since oh, last wait. time we did an episode. I introduced you to Memphis, Kansas Breeze. <laughs> Which is the greatest thing I have ever heard, I, and now my life is complete. I know. I put it up one when, like a, a couple weeks ago when we were doing the Friday night streaming chat. In between the movies, I put that up. Nobody seemed to appreciate it. Then I posted it on the Dead and Lovely group nobody even liked it dude i adore I, it with every fiber of my being i think people are immediately turned off by the sound of twangy guitar they're like i don't want to hear some country oh, bullshit come on of course you do yeah listen to it it's really fucking funny i i could not believe it i had tears yeah, streaming down so my face so funny human skin truck baby human y'all skin truck baby human that's skin truck baby. that's the song that you never knew that you needed you never knew you needed it in your life but you do holy you shit do. I was I was dying. Yeah, Truck school uh, prom, <laughs> amazing song right there. It's uh, Carl Tart, who's a writer for Brooklyn Nine Nine, and Drew Tarver, who was in Bajillion Dollar Properties, is in something else now on TBS. I haven't watched it yet, but I hear it's really funny. Anyway, right on Memphis, Kansas breeze. It was on Comedy Bang Bang. If you're wondering what we're talking about, I'm I'm already kind of parched. I know Me we too, just man. started the show, but I I'm already kind of parched. I could definitely I could go with a poll. Me too. How about we get into a perennial artisan ales hopfen tea? Is that what that says? Hopfen tea? It says hopfen tea. Was this a, an RDM beer? Yeah. Yeah. The notorious so, RDM gifted RDM us gave us this. It this is a right here. Berliner Weiss style ale with tropical tea. 
I'm excited about that. It looks yeah. like it's got a guava or something on there. So it's in collaboration with Hopleaf. So oh, look at that. I'm interested. There's yeah. a, a hibiscus on here. Looks like a, a, a maybe a papaya or something yeah, going on. Something fruity going on there. I'm excited to try this thing out. I hope that it offers up some tropical tart goodness. Me too. Dude, I'll tell you what. I had something the other night over it's at... Like pinkish. Yeah, it kind of is. It's pretty. I had something over at Merchants of Beer here in Knoxville oh, yeah. the other day that about blew my damn dick clean was. off. It was a... I don't know. Like It looks like on the board, it looks like it's Delta 5, but the bartender said Delta V. Okay. So I don't know which one it's supposed to be, but it's by D9 Brewing. Okay. And it is a sour... It's uh-huh. like a pineapple and coconut sour. All right. That is 14 fucking percent. Jesus. And, dude, it is unbelievable. Huh. I have never had any beer or wine or anything that was that high proof that was disguised that well. Really? Okay, yeah. so it's not boozy. No, like, hmm. not at all. Like, it's absolutely... One million percent dangerous. And on what lo- level of sour are we talking Extremely about? Extremely punch you in the really? face sour. Yes. That sounds awesome. Dude, it's killer. But it's not, uh, you know, again, like I usually say, it's not that bile, nasty, yeah, no, I threw up in my mouth sour. That's not fun. This yeah. is like real fruit, mm-hmm. citric acid, sour, and it is crazy awesome, man. I've got to get us some. What's that smell like? It smells like something we've had before. Yeah, that does remind me of something. Yeah, hmm. something I think we liked a lot. I want to say so. Some of these Berliner Weisses do kind of have a similar smell, I, I assume, due to whatever bacteria or whatever's in there. Kind of like that uh, that that fruit cup one that we had. Yeah. Is that's, it good? That's good. Yeah? Yeah. It's got a good sourness that goes away pretty quick. It's Ooh, nice yeah. and refreshing. Yeah, I know what you mean. And yeah. then on the back end, it really does just kind of taste like a nice tea or yeah. something. Like you've mm-hmm. just had like a nice... Uh, have you ever had like any of those... Like a raspberry tea or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say like a fruit-flavored cold tea. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's nice. It's yeah, not too sugary very sweet. Sippable. It's not awfully harsh mm-hmm. sour either. It's like yeah. you said, the, the tartness goes away reasonably quickly. Yeah. It's only 4.2% as well. We've been, we've been sticking nice on the too. lower side because we had two episodes to record in, the, mm-hmm. in a Don't row. want to get too fucked up. Yeah. We also had us a little sip of that Bamboo XO oh, dark yeah. rum that I got. Jesus, Fuck, that stuff, stuff is awesome, man. Yeah. This summer has been kind of like my awakening of my dark rum pleasures. More like rummer, am I right? Might be like that. The summer of rummer. <laughs> the summer of rummer. Might be like that. And I've been trying out all these different uh, rums and like dark rums and stuff over the summer, but I think that's actually the one that I've found that's the best like mm-hmm. price to taste ratio. Yeah, I've tried a few. Uh, mm. you've, you've given me a few as, as we've gone through, and that is definitely the best one I had. I think so, uh, too. It's like, there's no real trace of, like, a, an astringent quality. Right, like, yeah. Like, it, it just has the spices to it. It's got a nice burn to it, mm. but it doesn't taste... It's not like that nail polish remover type of taste. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like a lot of like cheap rums mm-hmm. and stuff definitely have that. And that's yeah, what I don't like. Captain man. Morgan's for sure. Yeah, no, or even just like Bacardi no, Gold or whatever. Bacardi, yeah. You know, a lot of those kind of have that going on. Yeah, it's got like some, some darkness and some complexity to it. I like the ones that have that kind of molassesy mm-hmm. kind of taste yeah. to them, you know? It's really good. I enjoy it. It's crazy, though. Like, man, the amount of different rums and stuff that are out there and how 
there seem to be no like regulations on what is a rope. Yeah, or yeah. like qualifications of what it will be like. Yeah, dude, country to country. Yeah, it's completely true. different. Completely Jamaican crazy. Jamaican rum is is way different than like uh, Baham, Baham, Bohemian Bohemian no. Bohemian rum. Yeah, those Bohemian rums. <laughs> Bohemian out of rum the Czech City. Republic. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the guy at the liquor store the other day, whenever I bought that bamboo, let me try some stuff that was like a a Venezuelan okay. rum. I can't remember what it was called. It was crazy weird. It yeah. almost had like this medicinal, like cough syrupy huh. taste to it. Like the same way that like Jaeger has that medicinal yeah. kind of thing. It had that going to it, hmm. but it was a dark rum. That's interesting. And then the regular bamboo almost has this like banana bread hmm. taste to it. That's uh, like whenever a rum has that banana y flavor to it, I'm not really into it. Yeah, whenever I, I think got it that. It could go good in some cocktails, but. Like a banana daiquiri yeah, or something. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I got that that first bottle of the regular bamboo, initially I was like, "Whoa!" It has like a banana bread, vanilla mm. cake kind of flavor. Yeah. But about like halfway through the bottle, I was like, "I'm really very tired of this" because it was just kind of like a one note kind of thing, you know. I th- okay. So we did this thing one time. Uh, my wife was there. Uh, it was called Banana Rama. Banana Rama. Yeah, where basically we just all got together and we had this idea for making banana desserts. So we started making all these banana desserts. Banana Rama. Okay. And we were eating. We ended up eating so much banana that I started to hate the taste of banana after a while. Wow. And after a while, it was just gross. <laughs> so it was a long time before I was like, I want a banana. Back again. to bananas yeah. again. Banana could be a real overwhelming flavor. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. Artificial banana is one of the most loathsome mm-hmm. of flavors, man. I don't know, though. I love that. I love a banana Laffy Taffy. See, I was going to say I hate a banana Laffy Taffy, but I do enjoy banana popsicle. Okay. I like a banana yellow banana okay. popsicle. Yeah. That's another, you were talking about Southerners adding R's onto words uh-huh. like we do Yeller. a lot of times. Bananer. Bananer. Uh-huh. I'm a fan of that. Nanners. Nanners. Uh-huh. But yeah, a lot of like artificial banana flavor things to me just taste like fucking bullshit. It's one of those fruit flavors they've never really gotten right. Like artificial grape flavor. Watermelon's nowhere near. No. <laughs> watermelon. Never. If you got a watermelon that tasted that sour, you'd be like, what the fuck, fuck is the matter with this? this watermelon? Yeah, you know, that's kind of a weird thing. And I do like the taste of artificial watermelon like whenever you have like oh, yeah. a, a blow pop or something oh, yeah. like I love that, that flavor like it's that. not watermelon though but it just kind of finally hit me yeah real watermelons aren't sour even remotely yeah but artificial watermelon flavor is always like really tart like yeah. a watermelon jolly rancher yeah because I, I mean otherwise like i i've eaten uh my fair share of watermelon i'm a big fan of it yeah i love it it doesn't exactly have a distinct flavor tastes it's like a just, melon you know? Sweet and refreshing. It's got a little melony yeah. flavor in the back, but it's just mostly sweet. Yeah, and it's nice to chew on. It like has that sort of cotton candy aspect where it dissolves, sort of dissolves immediately. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that's it. Like you you can't capture that in a candy. Hmm. Or can you? Or can you? Have you seen that shit where like people have taken a watermelon and made it like a like a ham, like a glazed ham kind of yes. thing? It looks really strange. It's very odd. Have you I ever had it? I can't imagine cooked. No, I haven't. Can't imagine cooked watermelon. No, because I imagine like when you cook it and you're letting the moisture out of it. Yeah. Probably all that's left is just like fiber. I say that, but they 
people do grill watermelon, but I think that's a little bit different. Like grilling yeah, this it, looks you're like basically roasted, like, yeah, yeah, grilling it, you're just getting like some grill lines on it, adds a little smoky yeah, flavor. Yeah, a little sear. It. Yeah, roasting it like it's in the oven. What forty five minutes at least? It yeah, it's I think so. Gonna, what is that? <laughs> when you're done with it, what does it taste like? I can't imagine. I kind of want to try it. I, yeah, I do too. <laughs> I can't lie, man. I definitely want to try it. Well, dude, one thing that I did happen to watch uh, this week that I didn't talk about on the last episode is we sat down and finally checked out Once Upon a Deadpool. Yeah. Which is awesome. the PG-13 mm-hmm. rated cut that's on like Hulu and stuff right yeah. now. And it's completely framed like The Princess Bride, uh-huh. Fred Savage included. Mm-hmm. And it's framed in this way where it's like Deadpool has like kidnapped him and yeah. meticulously recreated the Princess Bride set. And he's got him like taped to the bed and stuff. It's a very Deadpool thing. Like that's yes, exactly it's what so Deadpool perfectly would do. Deadpool, yeah. dude. Oh my god, it's so fucking great. It's mm. so hilarious. You don't really. I mean, you don't lose anything. I like, know that's the thing about it. I, I mean, yeah, the R, the unrated R version is better, but mm-hmm. it's just different. Like, yeah. you know, you just lose some of the cussing. You don't see Juggernaut's ass. Oh, yeah. I guess not. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's about it. But all the cuts, whenever it just keeps going back to him and Fred Savage, mm-hmm. I was I was dying, man. It's so fucking <laughs> funny. It's so great. I wish that I there wish was, like, more Wallace of them. I wish Sean had showed up at some point yeah. to just be, like, inconceivable. Yeah, of course. Have him say it. Yeah, have but have him say, him say it like he didn't want to say it. Yeah. All right. Inconceivable. All right. Inconceivable. Yeah. Can I get my check now? Yeah. <laughs> Deadpool 2 is so great. I forgot how absolutely amazing Zazie Beetz is. She's in the there. best. Gosh, she, dude, you the seen Domino Atlanta? character is so great. No, Kate Watch has Atlanta. watched it and said it's fucking awesome, too. man. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, loved it, man. Such a great flick. And other than that, like on a little bit more horror-related note, I've been continuing my journey through the It audiobook. Oh, right. Yeah. Narrated by Steven Weber. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. He's doing a great job. I bet that guy's good. Yeah. I mean... That that shining uh, miniseries wasn't his fault. There you go. Yeah. That's you know what? That's a great review. Yeah. Wasn't his fault. <laughs> <laughs> but he does like little voice affectations, you know, yeah. for the different characters, but never goes into full on like it's story time, I'm playing it out mode, yeah. you know? And uh so far, okay. It's a gigantic book. It's huge. So, so far, I'm like six hours into it, mm-hmm. and like the adults haven't even met yet. Yeah, that's the book I remember. Yeah, because the thing about it is, is you know, uh, of course, you know, we we've done the mini series here on the show. We did both parts of the of the new movie here mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, the second part's coming out recently here, and I already feel like I know way more about the town of the town of Derry and its history and yeah. characters and stuff than I ever did before. Yeah, there's so much more to the book so yeah. much yeah there's like all these little side stories that, uh-huh. about just like here's some other bad shit that happened here yeah it's just like bad shit upon bad shit upon bad yeah. shit yeah and some of it'll be like articles from books that Mike read mm-hmm. researching the history of the town it's it just whole different articles about that's this stuff that's a fun exercise for a writer too you get to try oh, to yeah. write in a different voice well that's the thing that I was I was talking to Kate about the other day it's like it really feels like Stephen King has an entire history of every person in that town yeah figured out Mm -hmm. and it's crazy how in-depth it is yeah it doesn't necessarily make it entertaining that's true but it is impressive it is impressive you know it's the kind of thing where it's like after they started making the gran turismo games like Mm -hmm. more and more and more and more realistic where it's like well after 
30 seconds of driving at this, you know, 70 mile per hour speed, your tires have heated up. So their molecular density is different, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. it's like, okay, great guys. Is it fun to play? It doesn't sound like it. Cause that's the thing is like, yeah, just adding more detail yeah. and stuff doesn't necessarily mean better. Did you ever, did you ever play Bill Elliott rest or uh, racing on I think I NES? did. Hang on. That game had the most ridiculous specifications. Yeah? Like you had to change so much about your car. And we would go through and for NES. Yeah. We would change like an angle by like a tenth of a degree and yeah. then run a, a lap to see how it runs, then another tenth of a degree and then run a lap and just keep going and writing down the results. Wow. Like this is truly like the predecessor to Gran Turismo. Yeah, because that's totally Gran Turismo yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was ridiculous, but it was also fun. I mean, we we had fun doing it. We mm-hmm. ended up finding. But the thing is, like every raceway would need different specifications. Yeah, and so you have shit. to do so it like, over every, every fucking time, one. man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I already feel like I have so much detail and backstory about the characters and the town and stuff, and then I look and it's like you have forty more hours to go. I'm like, Jesus what are Christ, we gonna man. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like, that is a whole lot of time to mm-hmm. spend in that world. I mean, like I said, I'm enjoying it. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, is very 1950s dated, you know, where like the kids are getting chased by it and it turns into the teenage werewolf, you know, or the right. creature from the Black Lagoon mm-hmm. and stuff like this. That's obviously very of its time that I think now looking back at it, you know, considering they put the new series in the 80s, yeah, they totally should have put fucking Freddy Krueger and Jason and all these oh, other yeah, characters that in there. Been awesome, right? There was a rumor that they were gonna do that. Really? Yeah, and even um, I think we're far enough away here from it part two to to do massive spoiler warnings. Mm-hmm. There's a part where we have uh, the older Eddie and he's in like the basement of the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. You remember, it was like his mom is tied up. Yeah, and there's like the person with like the bag over him. Yeah. Uh, that's like fighting to break free of his restraints to get to the mom or whatever. Yeah, I was so hoping Freddy was going to slash out of that. That would have been cool. Like, how sick would that have been? That would have been really that cool. That would have been fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it really plays on the fact that the kids go to the movies and they watch these scary movies and, yeah, and those read are horror the comics they and stuff. I mean, we, they even had the Nightmare on Elm Street 5 marquee right. as the kids. Yeah, they yeah. were teasing it, man. Yeah. They were teasing it. So I think they probably could have taken advantage of some of those properties. But I'm enjoying the book. It's one of those things that especially now when we're in you know, packing and moving and fixing up the house mode, getting ready to, to move and all that. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things I'll just turn it on and spend a couple hours in that in that realm yeah. while I work on the house or whatever, and it makes the whole thing a lot more bearable, you know? Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, too, where I know that I'm going to have, like, fond memories and stuff. Like, whenever we moved into this house that we're in now, this is the first house that Kate and I bought together. As I was doing a lot of, like, the house painting and unpacking boxes and stuff like that, it was right when Opeth had come out with the Heritage album. Okay. Which, if you're not familiar with that one, that was kind of the record where Opeth entered into their, what I'm calling the shag carpet phase of their existence. Opeth formerly had been this, like, progressive, uh, you know, quasi black and death metal band with all mm. the progressive elements where it would be like really heavy and then really uh, harrowing and pretty sounding stuff all mm. over the place but starting with this heritage album they started doing this just like 70s prog thing like it okay. just sounds like 70s prog music but that record came out right when we moved in and so you know I think you always kind of like really distinctly remember the things that you were watching listening to consuming playing whatever yeah. during like those big periods of change in your life you know yeah so I don't know. Maybe now I'm jinxing it. 
You know, now that I know that I tend to do that, now <laughs> you're thinking too much about it. Yeah. Your brain can't do it naturally. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe maybe in ten years I'll be like, now what in the world was I thinking whenever I was moving into this other house or whatever? What in the world? What in the world? I'm gonna change the way I talk in the future. Yeah. Now what in the Sam Hill? <laughs> That's my future voice. Hey now. That's great Uncle Ben. Great Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah. Don't piss off great Uncle Ben. <laughs> He'll lecture you. That's a great Uncle Ben. Does. I think so, man. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm enjoying it. Like I said, it's helping pass the time and stuff as I pack away my life and enter my next phase of existence. Yeah. What have you been up to this week, Steve? You've been watching or listening to anything cool? I started Good Place season three. I've never watched any of the Good Place. You should watch the Good Place. I think that Kate has watched some of it and she said it's pretty good. It is. It's it's pretty good. That's uh, that's accurate. It's pretty good. Yeah. Got it. What's yeah. it on right now? Um, it's on Netflix. Okay, the and Netflix. It's got Kristen Bell. It's got um, Jamila Jamil. Gosh, who else? Ted Danson, Darcy Carden. Just a bunch of really funny people. Ted Danson from Creep Show? Yeah, the very same. There we go. I love Ted Danson. Yeah, I'm he's such awesome. a fan. Yeah, he's awesome. He is so good in it. It's it's basic, It's a really philosophical sitcom where like they get into real deep philosophy by showing it in real world situations. Like it basically is. It's a good basic philosophy course. Philosophy with, with uh, like each each philosophy they're trying to show you. They they can show you in a very concise and funny way. Hmm. And I I don't want to reveal too much about it. Okay. Because there are some twists and turns. Uh, but I mean the setup is Kristen Bell wakes up in heaven. Mm-hmm. She's died. So. It, it gets good. It gets real good. I mean, it's immediately funny, but it gets like real like you really start to think more and more about it as you go. Yeah. And you start to like it even more. It's it's such a fun show. And I love Darcy Carden. She's she's in um, she was in Broad City and she's okay. in Barry now. Like she's so funny. I'm glad she's getting more work because she's like people need to see her. She's just hilarious. I'm sure I'd recognize the name doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. She, so she was on Broad City. I know I saw yeah, her. Yeah, tall brunette lady. She she worked at the gym with them. Oh, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking she about. She plays uh, basically like if Siri on your phone was a physical being hmm. in heaven. Oh, so you okay. Can, you can call her and ask her questions and she knows everything. And she has she all can the make answers. everything appear and stuff. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That sounds like something that cool I would show. enjoy, man. Yeah. I think you were telling me that you've also been playing some Razzlin games and I stuff have, here lately, too, right? That's true. Yeah, I because man, uh, professional wrestling games peaked on the Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, they really did. Like no wrestling game that's come out past any Nintendo sixty four game has ever been as good because Nintendo sixty four games like WCW NW Revenge and WrestleMania two thousand. They have a perfect pacing to them and something about their a- their AI that actually makes the matches feel like the way it would be scripted on, you know, Monday Night Raw. You get the rise and the fall and yeah, the, com- the, the comeback. The, fall, and- the comeback, all that stuff. Your your special moves really do, like, matter. Impact the match. Yeah. Hmm. It's, uh, and it's... It's something where, like, because we used to play these a lot as kids, me and my cousin Buddy and my cousin Casey and anybody who would stay over with us, 
we would get stoned and play these games and we would invent we would come up with entire pay-per-views and stuff and we had whole storylines for like wow. all of our belts and stuff oh, that's badass it's so oh, fun I wish, I wish i had that free time that sounds awesome yeah <laughs> sounds so I, fun. I mean i can't do that now but I, I can do it slowly which is what i've been doing where yeah. basically like i went in and made some of the characters we used to have we would just change like all the na- there was a, there's a guy called THQ Man because THQ made WCW right, NW yeah. Revenge so we made him THC Man. Of I was course. really hoping that's where that yeah. was going. Yeah, uh, we changed uh, Brian Adams' name to Chronic and made him the tag team partner of THC Man. <laughs> THC, THC Man, and Man Chronic. And Chronic. Awesome. Yeah, it, like it was just like. There's a lot more imagination to it because it doesn't like you can create pay per views in uh, WrestleMania 2000, but like you know your storylines are stuff you're just inventing, like you're keeping it all on your head and stuff. And I had a lot of fun with that, so I've been trying to remake it. Uh, I've made some cool like you know classic wrestlers like Ric Flair and Macho Man Randy Savage, Booker T and stuff. But it's been really fun. I've been having a lot of fun with it. I mean, I know you say that that was kind of the pinnacle of wrestling games, but have you ever heard of a little number called Pro Wrestling for NES? A winner is you. <laughs> you lose. What a What's pity. What a pity. Dude, that game was, was, a, it was awesome the best. when I was yeah, a kid, man. For real. Who yeah. was your jam? Who'd you play as? Uh, uh, what was the dude who... Um, he was like Blanca, basically. The Amazon. The Amazon. The yeah. Amazon was yeah. my dude. Yeah. That was, was awesome. totally my guy. Starman, I always wanted to like. That's but... who my brother always played yeah. as, was Starman. Because he looked cool, but I didn't like his moves. Yeah, that backflip kick. That, that was, was cool. cool. Yeah. But dude, the Amazon would bite your head and stuff. Yeah. Like, what's cooler than that? And he was green. That is totally Blanca, right? Like, they just... Yeah. must have been the same I mean, Blanca was him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And then you also had, like, King Corn Karn. <laughs> What kind of fucking name is that? <laughs> Who is the uh, the blonde guy? It was like something Panther. Oh, right. Yeah, that was the weird thing. A guy who was blonde. Was giant Panther. Giant Panther. I think it was Giant Panther was his name. Like, what? Yeah. He's just a white blonde dude. I have no idea. <laughs> dude, I played the dog shit mm-hmm. out of that game when I yeah, was a that kid. Yeah, was, that was a big one. There was, a, there was another WWF game on the NES. It was okay yeah i know the one you're talking about yeah it was all right but yeah it wasn't until those i mean i'm sure there's newer i haven't played any of the newer games uh i'm sure some of those are fun or whatever but man i've decided dude like as i've been packing up our like game systems and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and like going through all my old games and shit and be like oh my god i haven't played this in forever i think after we move i'm gonna like treat myself get ps4 That's a good idea. You can stream directly to Twitch from the PS4. That's if you wanted a thing. to start streaming video games and for some reason. And I would. Yeah. Really? You can? Yeah. Hmm. Something to think about. Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking that I'll just do that, man. I was going through all my games and stuff and I was like, fuck, like I have like some of the old Uncharted games. Oh yeah, I haven't. They're so badass. I haven't ever played them. I've just no. watched them. Yeah. Cuz I I've never so had bad. a PlayStation. Um, and really? they're, they're PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, I, I had a roommate who had a PlayStation Two, and I played it all the time. Yeah, and it's a great system. Yeah, I actually PlayStation Two. I would like to have a PlayStation Two right now because mm-hmm. I've been wanting to play the Kingdom Hearts games, and I guess I could do that with PlayStation Three, but PlayStation Two would be cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, 
I Let's know. all go buy PlayStations. This episode brought to you by Sony. Sony. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, you know, Steve, the episode, the the blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, Steve, the subject of today's podcast is none other than Creepin' Show, Creep Show. from a nineteen and eighty-two mm-hmm. when I was negative two years old. I was some months old. Some months old yeah. you were, and of course, one of the highlights of this flick. Is our main man Tom Atkins? <laughs> He's a major highlight, right? Huge, huge part huge of the movie. the movie. But you know, Steve, I noticed when I started watching this flick, there was something about his about his face rig that yeah. was just kind of off. What? Maybe a different haircut or something? I mean, he was definitely wearing a really shitty wig, but mm. that was not the issue. Did There's he take his glasses off? No, no, I don't think it was that even. There's something like lower on the face, like okay. something above the lip. Above the lip. But below the nose. That you just seems strange. His mustaches. Oh, he didn't have a mustache. Oh, my. And I was like, who is this man before me? What doesn't have mustache? More like Tom Mustachkins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's more like that. <laughs> you ever notice how there's some people out there that you've known them with a mustache your whole life, and then they delete that off their face, and you're like, who are you, impostore? Yeah. An impostore. Impostore. Man alive. Like, my my dad has had a mustache his entire life as far as I know. Huh. And I don't think I've ever seen any, like, pictures of him without one. I think as soon as he could have one, yeah. he was just like, I'll have one. But, you know, there's so many people that we've seen on the screen our whole lives featuring just that wonderful upper lip accessory. Yeah. And then once it's gone... I just feel like I don't even know them anymore. And that's how I felt whenever I saw Tom Atkins here in the framing device storyline. Who are you? Who am I? Get off my screen. (laughs) I didn't invite you here. (laughs) So I say before we get on to the movie review portion of this horror classic, how about we just slip on into the perfect palace? Welcome to the preview palace. And let's talk about some of our favorite people. Who are just unrecognizable without a fucking mustache on their face. Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with people out there that when they have a mustache, you, you recognize them when they don't, they're when like you, a new person. When you told me this idea, I was immediately on board because, yes, like you see people with a mustache all the time and when they shave it, it really is like the most mind-blowing thing. Yeah, it's like your brain registers it as like this is not the same uh-huh. person. You can Kids see somebody. cry. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like that's not my dad. Yeah, it's a whole different person. People can change their haircut or like change their hair color. And it's nowhere near as Not big of a an shocking. impact. Yeah. Like, people can change their eye color with contact lenses. Sure. Nowhere near as shocking yeah. as, like, where'd your mustache go? Because mm-hmm. I, I think we all kind of focus right here. It's that center you face don't area. stare straight into other people's eyes, and you don't want to be, like, looking down too far. So yeah, you're just yeah. kind of looking mid-face. That's the thing you're seeing. It's a crucial area. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of these characters who I'm thinking of that we just have to have them have that mustache. It's like whenever they don't have it, it looks like their their area from like the top of their yeah. mouth opening to the bottom of their nose just seems like it's like four inches of blank I, and space. I wonder, I wonder if it's only true of people who have large upper lip areas. Like if they're just like, I need a like, mustache to cover this up. Like, uh, for instance, Chris Hemsworth with, without the mustache, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't really change. Yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt, like yeah. Brad Pitt had a mustache in Glorious Bastards. Yeah, 
Didn't really change Didn't him. Didn't change much. Yeah, still looks like Brad Pitt. But when you're talking about Nick Offerman. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's you like, see Ron Swanson without a mustache. It's he like, could what the fuck? Easily shave it and just uh-huh. escape into anonymity in a yeah. crowd. He's it's in, crazy. He's in Sin City. He plays one of the thugs in Sin City, and it's so weird to see Wait, him. Wait, what the fuck? He's in Sin City? Yeah. Nick Offerman. Yeah. Yeah. In the first one. Uh-huh. He's Holy got a weird, shit. like, punk haircut and stuff. No way. Uh-huh. I had somehow completely forgotten about that or just never known yeah. it. Yeah. That's wild. Well, because he looks so different without the mustache. Yeah, he does. It's just crazy. He's a yeah. different looking person. Wow, man. Huh. That's interesting. Who's somebody who blows your mind without a stash, Ben? Let's just go ahead and knock out some of the obvious ones. Mm-hmm. If you see a Tom Selleck without a mustache. Yeah, I mean, he's made his career off of that mustache. That's a handsome fucking stash yeah. on that fella right there. That's mm-hmm. just a handsome man. He's a good looking dude, yeah. Tom Selleck, total hunk. Mm-hmm. There's some episodes where he's on Friends. Mm-hmm. You know, him and Monica had yeah. that on again, off again relationship. Yeah. And uh, he shaved that stash. I think he was doing some some role for some other movie, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. And he had to shave his mustache. And he was on the Friends episodes without a stash. And it's just like, That's you so are weird nowhere near as appealing. Who is that? Yeah. Song I don't know what the deal, man. It's like, he just is not as appealing without it. He's not. No, uh, nor is Burt Reynolds. That Burt Reynolds without a stash is not Burt Reynolds. No, That's fake. He's still a handsome man without the mustache, but that mustache really made him. Like, yeah. it made his face come together. I know. What's the deal with that, man? Like, What's so the many. Deal? Yeah. So many people, like, these days, I see kind of rocking the, like, ironic stash again. Yeah. And, and, the, and they it just looks look dirty ironic. and gross. It looks ironic. Yeah, you look yeah. at it and you're like, oh, okay, you're not serious about that. Yeah, you're doing yeah. that because it looks terrible yeah. and that's kind of funny, I guess. Mm-hmm. But some of these cats, like, you see them and it's just like, wow, the mustache really just makes yeah. you look like a damn man. You needed that. Dude. <laughs> Like some people it's like have a badge seen on your upper lip. A badge of the it upper is. lip. Yeah, it's, it's your just, man badge. The science teacher in Stranger Things. Yes. He's got a wonderful 80s mustache that gives him authority. Like if somebody with That's a mustache the, I'm an adult mustache. Yeah, like yeah. a person who needs a mustache has a mustache, you're immediately kind of like, "Damn, all right. Wh- I'm what listening. should we do? Right, I'll sit down. You're probably in charge here, right?" Yeah. <laughs> Dude, some people have seen pictures of me in my late teenage years with my mustache goatee combo yeah. I rocked back then, and it just it just looks horrific. You look older. I look older than I do now. Yeah, you it look makes older no than, than you do now. I don't know how anybody hung out with me or didn't try to like host an intervention and be like, really, you need <laughs> to you need, you need to, to take care of this. Just get rid of it. I'm thinking like I'm really hoping that it didn't look as bad in person as it did in photos. I'm thinking like that. Oh, we all looked bad in right. the late 90s, early 2000s. Every picture yeah. I've seen. And, and you know what it is, though? Like you see you see yourself and you think, I look bad. But then when you start looking around and going like, oh, everybody, oh, everybody kind of did. Yeah, because yeah. we were all using like half megapixel cameras yeah. with harsh flashes that were yeah, developed it, at Walmart. Exactly. You know? So it's like I'm thinking that whenever I look back at those old photos of my mustache and it looked like this invader on my face uh-huh. i'm thinking it's just like well it's because you were under nasty fluorescent lighting and this flash was making it look all greasy and shiny and just because i think that nobody would have hung around me if it looked in person <laughs> as it as bad as it did in photos 
Right? I don't want to hang out. I mean, with you were ben there. Anymore. Did You've it look seen that, that stash? Did right? it look that bad? No, it didn't. Or did it just look like, oh, here's a guy in his like forties that decided to go to community college? Oh, he's like nineteen. <laughs> okay, all right then. You know? Yeah, it didn't look bad at all, honestly. Uh, it's I, just the pictures, not. yeah. I hope not. Uh, what about classic Sam Elliott? Oh, dude, Sam Elliott. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that just has to have that stash. He's he got owns like, that stash. He's got like five inches of he upper does. lip, you know? Yeah. So he's got that opportunity to grow that just big, tall, thick motherfucker. You think his voice filters through the stash and makes it even more cowboy? I think so. Yeah. I think so. It, but you know what? That's a guy still, though, even without a stash... Still pretty hunky. Yeah, he's still going. I think in Roadhouse he didn't have yeah, a stash, he didn't right? In Roadhouse, and he's unrecognizable. Yeah, like, you don't he's see like, him as that's Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott at all, but he does look real hunky. Yeah, that beer is very good. Yeah, it's real fun. Like every sip I, I have, I'm really just like, enjoying that's it. Really, really nice, man. Just the right balance of tartness and sweetness. Let me tell you somebody who looks unrecognizable and kind of like a male model mm. when he gets his facial hair taken oh, shit. off. Zach Galifianakis. Okay, it's wild. Yeah. It's wild how much different that cat looks without a mustache. I, I like, and especially he's since great. he's lost the weight, he looks like Brad Pitt almost. Like, he's got, like, a real handsome yeah. face. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, the, the, the mustache that he rocks all the time gives him that, like, kind of crappy school teacher sort of look. Yeah, and, and it's good for comedy for sure. Yeah. Like, you, you know, people don't like super handsome people also being funny. Choose one. Yeah, you don't Choose get to do one. both. Too much good stuff. Yeah. I, and speaking of, of uh, southern boys with stashes that are funny, Danny McBride. Mm-hmm. Like that. That guy looks way different with that uh-huh. one. I've only watched the first episode of The Righteous Gemstones, and for some reason, I'm thinking he doesn't have it. Dude, it. Josh told me that show is hilarious as fuck. As yes. fuck. They're like... Uh, televangelist or yeah. something right yes holy shit it's so good man That's it's awesome. really good and a fucking uh john goodman like john goodman's john in goodman america's in dad john yes. goodman seriously the day john goodman dies will be the saddest day Ooh, perhaps because he's he has been around like i remember watching raising arizona as a little kid and just being like, that guy's so funny. Yeah, and then dude. Roseanne, arachnophobia, like, then fucking Big Lebowski. Then he starts, like, you know, Big Lebowski and all these other mm, things. A it's brother like, art thou. Yeah, he's so fucking funny. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, it will indeed be a sad day. I've got I've got to, like, brace myself for the notion that one day I'll live in a world that doesn't have John Goodman. Yeah, it will be sad. I thought the same thing about, like, I'm going to live in a world without Van Halen in it and stuff like that, yeah. too. You know? Yeah. It's be rough. But then all I've got to do to, like, steady myself is think about how fucking fortunate we are. Think about of all the billions of human lives that have existed on this planet that had the horrible misfortune of not being lucky enough to be born during the time that Van Halen was on the planet. That is unfortunate. How many billions of people, and yet here we are alive at the same time to enjoy EVH. Man. It's pretty fucking lucky. Think about those poor bastards back in the Middle Ages. They didn't even conceive of what rock and roll might sound like. I do say, my good fellow, I am... 
trying to conceptualize an, an electrified lute that might be louder and Witch. able to produce. Burn him! <laughs> oh, I'm dead! He said words! Those are, that's too much! Electricity comes from the sky. It is God's force. <laughs> no! Burned! <laughs> so yeah, we're pretty lucky, guys. Yeah. We're pretty lucky at the pretty end of the lucky, day. Yeah. Who else we got over on this uh, on the shit list of mustachio man? Well, Ben... Tom Savini. Tom Savini, the yeah. Wizard of Gore, making an appearance in this movie. It's hard to find a picture of him without a mustache, but yeah, there not is a picture of him when he was in Vietnam. Of course, no mustache. And you can tell it's Savini. Yeah. But, man, it's an iconic mustache. Like, he's had it forever. Yeah, it's a part of his fucking face. He's he grows a great the stash. same forever. Uh, yeah. I posted the, the uh, reposted the Instagram post he did for his birthday last year, which was him with his shirt off. I know. And he looks like, like a hunk. A fucking mid-40s man who's in his 60s. Like, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about, like, the addition of, of like facial hair that can sometimes mask your age dramatically especially if you've always had it yep you kind of have this ability to like stop aging when i don't have my beard i feel like a baby face dude i've not seen you without a beard in yeah and i I would prefer to have never not had a beard it's just that my my beard hair is like uh very coarse yeah and i didn't realize there were beard conditioners and so I have in the past uh, made my girlfriends break out from making out with them because Ooh. my my beard hair just starts like scratching at their skin, getting up in there. Yeah, but with a good beard conditioner, it's nice and soft. You, you got yourself that forty grit beard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but not, now you've dulled it down to a smoothing four hundred yeah. grit. Yeah, now it's now it's a finishing grit. <laughs> yeah, it's a finishing beard. <laughs> Good deal, man. You know, there's a couple other people, too, I would like to point out that Let's are in the, the non-movie spectrum that look insanely weird and different without yeah. their facial prosthetics. What do you know about a Zach Wild? <laughs> I know he plays some guitar. That, that guy likes himself a pinch harmonic. He likes himself shredding with a Black Label Society and an yeah. Ozzy Osbourne. And right when he joined Ozzy's band, uh, when he was just a young man, he had... A clean-shaven face, some long, pretty blonde hair, and he looked so different yeah. than the grizzled lumberjack man we know him as now. Of him before, and it was like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, he's like a pretty boy. Yeah, here's some fun trivia for you. Of course, uh, I know when you probably think of Zach Wilde, you think about him playing his iconic bullseye Les Paul, right, with the white and black bullseye on the guitar. Yeah, he started doing that because he imagined as the guy that was trying to. You know, follow up playing after Randy Rhodes and Jakey e. Lee. He's like, I might as well just go ahead and put a bullseye on my guitar, right? Because people are gonna automatically fucking hate me. Uh huh. You know, because honestly, too, Randy Rhodes played a white Les Paul sometimes yeah. too. So he's like, I ah, put a bullseye on mine. <laughs> Good choice. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Turned out working out pretty goddamn well for him. Ben, we didn't even think about this one, huh. and I'm I, I think this might be photoshopped picture, but Hulk Hogan without a mustache. Does this exist? Oh my god. What in the fuck? He just looks like that some looks doofus. Weird. But yeah. That looks so he looks like Kronk from Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> he does. Like with a skullet. <laughs> what the fuck? I've never seen him without a mustache. That is bizarre. That might be photoshopped. I because I have I'm not sure that he has ever been without a mustache. Ugh. I think he may have been born with that, like, pretty sure. T type mustache. Yeah. 
When he came out, he was like, thanks a lot, brother. Pulling me out of there. What? Ooh, it's cold out here. <laughs> Somebody give me some oil for my muscles. <laughs> yeah, grease this thing up real quick. Oh, my God. That was bizarre. Yeah, there's just something about the magical mustache that makes us love guys like Tom Atkins, Tom Savini. Yeah. People Tom, Tom Selleck, yeah. lots of Toms, <laughs> I guess. Tom should probably grow probably a Probably just go ahead and yeah. have one, I'm pretty sure. You know, I want to see one day a clean-shaven Santa Claus. Is that strange? What would that oh, be like? Oh, man. Just smooth and shiny. Just a big red-cheeked, no hair. Huh. I think that would be really, really that would, unsettling. That would make children cry. For sure. I think that it would. Why is Santa so red-faced? <laughs> He's drunk, Mom. He's no, drunk again. Let's run away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, man. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. Let's dig in to the dig meat of this podcast mm-hmm. and let's start talking ourselves about a creep show from 1982 but not before we crack open another cold beer crack here open a cold beer. i gotta i gotta wet this whistle up i'm gonna be doing some talking about this movie picture here mm-hmm. and my whistle is a little bit on the dry side so i need something to shine this thing up a little bit what do we just what do we you. just rip open there steve we got a main beer company we did a uh, main beer company a couple weeks ago with their lunch, the IPA, lunch ipa which is phenomenal so good this is called mo it's a pale ale and yes it tells us on here to do what's right okay does it have so, another little story on the back of that thing the other one had that story oh, about like a whale okay. or something like that um just after opening opening our brewery working long nights weekends and still maintaining our day jobs my brother daniel the brewer had twins this beer had a brother apparently <laughs> Brother Beer and his Brother Beer. Brother Beer. We're writing our own songs now. Yeah. Uh, and apparently it had, that Brother Beer had twins. <laughs> so, Couple little of baby pints. kid beer, little baby kid beer. <laughs> uh, cheers to his courage and dedication to making better beer. Better beer face. Better beer face. That should be the new thing. Replace bitter beer face with better beer face. Now, this one I had a couple weeks ago. Um, I think I actually might have drank this while we were watching that god-awful Jupiter Ascending movie, (laughs) if I'm not mistaken. And it's good. It's good. It's not as good as that lunch. That lunch, to me, is a truly phenomenal... It's a perfect IPA. Yeah, it's pretty much like best of its species kind of beer. It's totally amazing. This, I mean, honestly, like this is amazing and it's fantastic. I think it's just because like my expectations are so high because of how great that lunch is. Yeah. Which, P.S., if we have any listeners in Maine, Freeport, Maine, uh, I just learned that Maine, Bre- uh, Maine Beer Company does a dinner IPA that they only sell at the brewery that oh. we don't get down here. And the people at like Merchants of Beer and stuff in Knoxville told me that it's apparently unbelievable. <sighs> just absolutely insane. I think it's like a double IPA or something like that. So any of our Mainers, hey. Yeah. Please send us some drop us a message we'll give you an address to ship some stuff to because i would love to have it because i've been very very impressed by the main beer company see what you think about that right there i'm interested whenever i had it which again it's probably been a month or so ago it it had lagunitas like characteristics to it it kind of smells like a like a lagunitas beer yeah and it's it's not as like amazingly clearly flavored as a lunch but it's still very good right right? it's a little more sweet it's real good but yeah it's not as distinct 
It's a hoppy lunch. pale ale. Yeah. Yeah, it, it tastes like if you had this flavor plus like a third more of how much flavor that has, yeah. it'd be really on to something. Mm-hmm. As it is, it's the kind of thing it's where... It's a light flavor for sure. Yeah, it is. Like the, the flavor is kind of gone like two seconds after you swallow. Yep. You know? Which also means though... I bet this would be great with food. Like, if yeah. you had this with, like, a steak or something, mm-hmm. it would probably be fucking amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine being really good with seafood and stuff, too. Nice oh, and, yeah. And nice and light like that. Now it's making me want seafood. Yeah. Ooh. Be all right. That'd be all right, yeah. Little low country boil. I love a bowl. Uh-huh. I love me a low country bowl. Yeah, I'm too. a fan of that, man. Get them little potatoes in there and stuff. Yeah. Count me in. This is all making me want to go to Charleston. And do the Charleston. And do the Charleston while eating a Charleston chew. Oh, I hate Charleston chews. You do? I Ugh. love them, man. Dude, they're, they're in that league of candy that I'm just like fucking weird old people candy. Like The league that. of old people candy. The league candy. of old people candy. <laughs> it is I, Bitto Honey. <laughs> it is me, random hard candy in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and no one would ever suspect Mary James. <laughs> Take all those candies, put them on an island, yeah. blow it up, yeah. please. Please. The island of misfit candies. Oh, the island of misfit candies. <laughs> me, Bitto Honey. Circus Peanuts. Oh. <laughs> the most nauseating. God, they're like foam. Why do they still make them? Surely anybody Jesus. that ever thought those were good is dead of old age by now. <laughs> Surely they are. Surely. Like, you know, I guess the traditional, like, hack old person candy is Werther's original. Werther's are actually good, good, though. though. That's the thing. Yeah. I enjoy a Werther's just fine. Yeah. But I I mean, they probably disappeared by the 90s. But I remember very distinctly both my nanny, or not my nanny, my granny in in Georgia, and my my great-grandmother, who we just called Grandma, uh, both had... Bowls of hard candy sitting yeah, on their, all their stuck living together room table, and shit, and yeah. all stuck together with dust on them and oh, shit. Yeah, and it's like just a, like a ribbon candy and no stuff. No one ever wanted those. You've had those out since the seventies, I'm sure. Yeah. No one has ever wanted that candy. Mm-mm. Yeah, just completely awful. Anyway, creep show. <laughs> so here's the deal, Steve. Confession time. Confess. This is the first time I've watched the whole movie. Really? I know. A horror anthology milestone. Have you just kind of like come into it? I've seen a segment or two before like in clips on YouTube and shit. Oh, okay. But never watched the entire thing, which is really strange. Like one of my first exposures to Creepshow is, okay, there's this guy named Ron Jarzenbeck. Okay. He is a guitar player that plays for uh, a band called Blotted Science, mm. and he's done a lot of other musical projects and stuff, too. He is like the damn uh, Albert Einstein of guitar playing. Like, everything he does oh. is this ultra-high-level, extremely complicated, conceptual, crazy shit. Yeah. Uh, like he has a lot of songs it's the that notes are, he's not playing. Uh, it's like yeah. kind of like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more like it's because he's using all the notes oh, in really gotcha. crazy ways. Uh-huh. He's done all these crazy experiments with like tone row music, which is this weird series of tonal organization, and uh, just things to demonstrate certain musical theor- uh-huh. theoretical concepts and stuff. Right? He did a thing a couple years ago, probably ten years or so ago now, and I think you can find some of them on YouTube, where he wrote songs. To directly correspond with visuals from some of his like favorite scenes and movies. Okay. And it's really crazy stuff where he'll choose like certain 
licks to represent certain characters that are on screen and the rhythms and stuff of the music are crazy complicated and complex because they're not synced to a metronome they're synced to stuff that's happening on screen so you know like during an action sequence whenever like there's an explosion regardless of where it is in the rhythm like a cymbal hit will occur okay so it's kind of like this weird blend of soundtrack sound effects and musical representation of what's happening visually on screen okay it's very complicated extremely fucking complicated yeah and he did one for there's like a really gross scene in the peter jackson king kong where they're fighting these like big bug things okay he did one that corresponded to that and he did one that corresponded to um what's the name of the last segment the creeping up on you oh okay the cockroaches the cockroach scene Mm -hmm. yeah and he did this it's basically the entire length of all the cockroach scenes in this so several Mm -hmm. minutes long that all musically corresponds to shit that's happening on screen It's nuts, dude. If I can find a link, I'll post it on the Facebook page yeah. and stuff. It's crazy. So I think that that was probably my first exposure to it. And then I watched that one uh-huh. and just bits and pieces of other ones. But this is the first time I've ever watched the whole wow. fucking thing. Okay. What a homeschooler. Am I right? <laughs> right. I assume uh, this wasn't the first time you saw no, it. No, I grew up with this movie. This one's, uh, this, uh, this, their old fears reside in oh, this wow. movie. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Like, is this like one of those ones that freaked you out as a kid and shit? The yeah, and it's not anything you would think. It's the funniest yeah? part of the movie. Really, <laughs> the Stephen King bits. Interesting. Okay, because I look forward to getting into that. The idea of something growing out of my skin is the most disgusting. It's like thing always I can repelled you. Like, yep. wow. Yep. So like, whenever you hear of somebody getting like bitten by a blowfly and they inject their larva or whatever and uh, then yeah. they got a blowfly Bo- under yeah, their skin. Yeah, fly. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Awful. Oh my yeah, gosh. hard Dude, pass. That makes me want to die. Yeah. So just it's like, well, just kill that. me, I guess. Yeah, no, I might as well. I can understand that, Because in the rest of my life, I'm forever unclean. Like, <laughs> just be like, this is the body unclean. that had that thing in it. <laughs> And, of course, this movie is a meeting of two of the greatest horror minds yeah. of all time, George uh, Romero and Stephen King. Yep, and, dude, I, I so wish we could have just gotten so many more movies from those cool. two teaming yeah. up. Holy shit. They had been friends for a while and had been wanting sure to do something. each other's work, yeah. Yeah. Romero had Stephen King as, like, a, a cameo in Knight Riders. Mm-hmm. That's a Which very strange movie, before. by the way. Yeah. Ed Harris also in that. Yeah. So I would imagine they were already in some sort of pre-production for Creepshow at that point. Night Riders yeah. is silly. You've not seen it, have you? I haven't seen it. Uh. It is just a silly, weird movie where it, you're just like, I guess I they were it doing up, cocaine. it had good, like, Rotten Tomato score, so. Yeah. It has, like, a legion of, like, cult followers huh. and stuff, but it's just, like, weird and silly stuff yeah. with, like, guys in night costumes jousting on motorcycles. <laughs> As like roving cool. like Mad Max style gangs. Cool. It's so weird and silly. It's just like who thought this was a great idea? George Romero. Yeah. yeah. I mean that being said, it is awesome. Yeah, I bet. And recommend watching it. So yeah, they they knew each other and had finally gotten down to working together. And basically Stephen King wanted to mimic old EC comics like Tales from the Crypt. EC so. comics. EC comics. You EC. fucked up. You <laughs> fucked up. You sold out. Those are things that, Holy like... Holy shit. Yeah. I always remember hearing, like, 
people that are older than me talking about these old horror comics yeah. like EC and stuff like that. I never they're, have yeah, read too old any of for them. Both of us. They even talk by about them in like it and stuff too. By the time we were buying comics, yeah, there weren't a whole lot of horror comics readily available. It was mostly you know the big Marvel titles and DC titles, mm-hmm. and then. Well, that's too like along. the yeah. comics code had been enacted yeah. by then, so there were certain things that could and couldn't do and shit. Yeah, by that point, yeah. It, but uh, you know, Tales from the Crypt, the movie was an anthology, came out in the mid seventies. Basically, they were going for that, mm-hmm. like good anthology movie based off of these like short, quick comic book style stories, pulpy, pulpy, yeah, grimy, like, can yeah. be can be ridiculous, etc. And so. Stephen King wrote some stories. They had some options to go with because he was using some of his own already written short stories, but they settled on what they settled on, which I think is good. I, I enjoy this movie. I think mm-hmm. all the, the different stories stand on their own pretty well. I think so, too. Uh, now, I can't remember. Did Stephen King write the screenplay? Did he like write all yeah. the stories? Yeah, he wrote the screenplay. Uh-huh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So this was his first like full screenplay, and it uh, is really good. Comparing it to, I guess his next screenplay would have been Maximum Overdrive. Like, I guess the cocaine got better. Yeah. Like, maybe he was <laughs> like, got better. Yeah. He was like, wait a second, cocaine can make you feel like this. I don't want to write shit. <laughs> I want trucks to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the change was there, but something something was definitely in the water, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. But something that's cool that they did with this movie too, I think to make the segment seem a little bit more uh unique and maybe not feeling like they were all done by the same people. Yeah. Uh Romero had different people edit all the segments. Oh really? Yeah. You can kind of tell that now that you say it. Pretty you cool. Can tell yeah, that. you totally can. Yeah, because yeah, like the way that something to tidy over feels versus mm-hmm. Father's Day yeah. is way yeah. different, you know? Which is cool. It kind of makes it feel like there were more people involved in this yeah. than what you'd think, you know? That's really cool. And let's not forget the third part of the team uh, of this Titans of Horror, Tom Savini. Tom motherfucking Savini. <laughs> the effects for this. I mean, dude, that is a holy trinity <laughs> really of writer, is. director, special effects artist that, yeah. of 80s horror. Really? Holy Seriously. shit, man. It doesn't really get a lot better there's than that. Not, yeah, there's not much better. I I can't imagine. And the visual effects in this, obviously, are fucking so awesome. yeah. And there's so much cool trivia and stuff out there about how they did a lot of those effects. And we'll talk about them as we kind of walk through the, the yeah. individual stories and I'm stuff. Very, I, got, I got some cool stuff on the oh, Ted cool. Danson drowning. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll forward to hearing about that. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's just one of those like pinnacles of great early 80s uh-huh. special effects. And it's kind of like what we talked about. Because it's not CGI, they can't show everything. Yeah. But that makes them get creative, man. Exactly. We, we've talked about that many times on the show. It's like when you can't just show the full Monty, you have to get creative and show other and ways. People's imaginations are better than any CGI. It's people always going to be scarier. Fill in the blanks, and it's scarier. Yeah, absolutely so, man. I was trying to look for stuff to talk about. We've talked about George Romero. Uh, go back, listen to our Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead episodes. I'm, we'll do Day of the Dead eventually. Martin, Hell yeah. The crazies, all that stuff. We, we've already talked about him again, but. And we've done so much Stephen King. Oh, yeah. We've talked about him endlessly. And Savini, too. And we've done so much Savini. So there wasn't a ton to say necessarily about about them. 
and the production of course came together pretty easily because it's george romero and stephen king so there wasn't there weren't a lot of roadblocks along the way yeah by that time they were both pretty well established yeah. in their fields right um, and they filmed this in uh, Romero's town of Pittsburgh, yeah, right? He, yeah, Romero always tried to film in Pittsburgh because that was his town. Basically wanted to get back to the city. That's cool. Yeah. I was really searching for some interesting trivia to add to this. This is the only Romero screenplay not written by George Romero. Oh. Yeah. Huh. He wrote all of his screenplays, or at least co-wrote them. This is interesting. Warner Brothers released this movie for a four-week trial at various Boston theaters in July of 1982. In July? And, and then when it did really good, they were then like, oh, okay, well, we'll put it in all theaters later in May of, uh, or in November of 82. Huh. Okay. So, so, basically, they were like, I don't know about this. Does anybody care about this bullshit? Oh, they do? Sweet. <laughs> Sell it. Yeah. So, I mean, the movie ended up making money and stuff, but it looks like they were maybe a little worried that people wouldn't get it. And I can see that. There's some experimental bits about this that maybe could have thrown people off. The, probably. The, the comic elements, I think especially, because at that time in 82... Comic books were only associated with kids. Yeah, and, kids stuff, and exactly. Shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe they were a little worried it wouldn't work, but it did end up making a good bit of money. So that was one of the things, honestly, about this movie that did surprise me the most. Again, considering this is the first like real time I watched it, is how comic booky it is. Yeah. And I mean, that's not only talking about like some of that the fully animated stuff, but the way that at the end of some of the stories it will dissolve from whatever the final scene in that story was into to, a comic book panel yeah and like, it's like oh that's a good comic book panel yeah. i see why you designed that shot that like way. with yeah. the dialogue yeah. of what the characters just said like uh -huh. at the end of uh something just i'll tide you over it's mm -hmm. Liz nielsen it's like i can hold my breath a long time yeah. as a comic panel yeah and that's one of those things that whenever i watched it, i was like oh that's where, like, Trick or Treat, the one from the uh -huh. 2000s, it's like, this got everything from Creepshow. Yeah. Yeah. B because Trick or Treat tries to play it off like, oh, this is a comic book that's yeah. been that's, developed into a movie. It opens up with, like, the, yeah, you see comic Sam pages on the front of the shit. comic book. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in the closing credits, too, I think. Yeah. And I look at that now, and I thought that was so cool then, and I'm like, oh, Creepshow did Creepshow this. Did it. Yeah. yeah it's, that, it's that thing where it's, you know, it's like they say, it's like, there's nothing new under the sun. No. You but, know? I mean... Trick or treat still Trick or treat awesome. Trick so fucking yeah. kicks ass, <laughs> yeah. dude. I, I like it's you know September right now. I'm already looking forward to yeah, watching I'm it in the Halloween yeah, season. I, Again. Just the fact that you mentioned it made me be like, oh right, I want to watch that. Totally. It's almost Halloween. It's almost Halloween. Yeah. It's time to watch it again, man. So whenever this movie kicks off, like most horror anthology type flicks, there's kind of a, a framing narrative, a wraparound yeah. story, which features a mustacheless Tom <laughs> Atkins wearing this god awful wig. Yeah. Looking, and, looking like Giant Panther. And uh, Little Baby Joe King slash Joe Hill. Yeah. I didn't know that when I watched this the first time. And then yeah. I went back and rewatched the scenes with them. And I'm like, oh my God, it's a little tiny Stephen King. Yeah. So Stephen King's son plays the little boy. He's now an established author himself, Joe Hill. Have you ever read any of his books? I have not. I've heard that some of them are pretty awesome. I bet they are. Yeah. I you mean, check that out. I can imagine. His dad's all fussing his at him about his dad is fussing at him for reading comic, comic books. books. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, that sort of like establishes what how comic books were kind of looked at in the 80s. Like, they're just trash. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's useless stuff that kids waste their time with. 
and he calls him out. He's like, "What well, about you got your those porn? sex books yeah. in your in your drawers or yeah. whatever in your dresser drawer?" Uh huh. Now, what I like, what I think is interesting about this is that Stephen King actually tried to maintain something of a theme throughout the anthology, which you don't see a lot, hmm. specifically because anthologies are usually. Each segment's written by different writers and Exploring different topics and so on. But in this case, there's a theme of male authority figures being wrong. I didn't think about that while I was watching it, but after you pointed it out, I was like, yeah, that's... That's kind of all of them, really. Yeah, so in the the first one, it's obviously Father's Day. Uh, Yeah, obviously. There's that. In the second one, we have Jordy Jordy Verrill. Verrill, yeah. yeah. Jordy Verrill's dad appears to him in the mirror and is giving him advice. Mm-hmm. In the third one, which is the tied you over, tied you over. Yeah, the Leslie Nielsen is the male authority figure. There's no reason why Ted Danson keeps doing what he tells him to do, right? But yeah. he's doing it anyway. That's weird. Then you know, in the crates, the crate, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot to say about that one. There's a lot to say about yeah. that one, but there's definitely some issues of men and dealing making with bad their moves. wives, yeah. making bad moves, yeah. And then and in the then fifth the one, there creeping up on you, he is this complete autocratic authority figure who gets taken down by the thing that he's most afraid of, which is the minuscule, the tiniest, the co- like the way people. Uh, the word people use to dismiss entire sets of humanity mm-hmm. by calling them cockroaches. Right. Like, That's those are the things him that alive, eat him literally. alive. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, we get the end of the wraparound, which is the voodoo dog and Joe Hill killing. <laughs> His yeah. dad, which is great, <laughs> which is awesome. But that that's what it's, it's kind of about is about confronting this male authority figure and dealing with this abusive, autocratic asshole. Mm-hmm. I which, didn't think about it when I watched it, but you're totally right. Yeah, he had a, he had an idea, a central idea that I think a lot of anthologies might be better served by working off of trying to say mm. like, okay, well let's let's explore this theme in all these different ways. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, you could also come around the other way and be like, oh, it's just kind of the same thing several times over. Right. I guess, but... It is, kind of. To me, they all feel pretty different, Yeah, they're very different. I mean, like, you can't... No one could see a meteor that causes plants to grow out of human skin as being exactly like a man burying a guy in the sand and drowning him in the ocean. Yeah, no. There's enough variation, for sure. Yeah, I think so, too, man. Now, during the intro of this, like you said, we we got Atkins getting all pissed at his kid. Yeah. And, dude, that whole, like, household situation, the mom is is just so, like, beaten down and stuff, and he's like... What is it? What is that line that he says? He's like, "That's why." I'm, That's why God made fathers. God made babe. fathers. That's why like, God uh, made fathers. Awful. And like, yeah, that. I mean, that is in some ways like that was a, that was a, a parenting perspective, uh, in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, yeah. Of Just I'm the man. I tell you all what to do, and I'm you the do. Paterfamilias. Yeah. I'm the goddamn pattern for me. <laughs> they said you got hit by a train. I didn't get hit by no train. <laughs> I'm bona fide. He's God. a suitor. Oh, dude. God, I love a brother where that so much. It's so good. And then the thing is, is after we have him getting all pissed and doing that holier than now, that's why God made fathers shit. Mm-hmm. Little, While uh, drinking his gross ass light beer. Yeah. <laughs> into a glass. Mm-hmm. Very classy. The kid is like, 
I hope you rot in hell. Like uh-huh. The kid is aggro as yes, fuck, he is. man. So he probably cool. got those violent images from the comic I books. I think you're right. Because mm-hmm. that's when the creep arrives yeah. at the window. And then turns animated. Yeah, like it shows like two seconds of this awesome, uh, I don't know, puppet. Yeah. I guess you'd say. Yeah. And then it's like animated right away. But the puppet looks so cool. The like puppet it, did look cool. It yeah. looks the best way of like shitty but spooky 80s yeah. possible, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, but the animation's cool. I, I like think it's it. awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's very, uh, well, I think any anytime we think about late 70s, early 80s animation, you always go, well, it's kind of like heavy metal. Yeah. Because it kind of is. Yeah. But the way that it kind of draws it into looking like a comic book is really cool. And again, I wasn't really anticipating that. And that leads us into our first segment here, which Father's is Day. Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Now, this kind of opens up with a bunch of people in a parlor having some kind of like a fancy pre-dinner. They're having a rich person conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's kind of yeah. what it is. There's a woman who I guess has never stopped smoking cigarettes. <laughs> like ever. She had that smoker tone. Oh my God. Normally people don't sound like that, but this woman sounds like fucking she's gargling gravel or something well you know i was about to say and hopefully people will never know that again since so few people smoke now but now we're getting back on the right track getting rid of them get damn them vape cigarettes get them hey, out six people done died and we won't stand for that unless he's killed with guns i want immediate action unless it's guns but you know what people don't actually want that no one is saying that you know who does want that the tobacco industry. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, we've not gotten a piece of these politicians and right. paid them off in a long It's weird enough. how fast politicians act when no one wants it except for super rich people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I wonder if there's some sort of a correlation. I don't know. Maybe hmm. there's... Maybe, I, maybe they give them high fives. It's the high five. Yeah. Hugs. I'll give you a hug. I bet you there's a lot Trump of hugs look. going on. Do you think Trump's ever hugged a person and no. it's not been gross? Mm-mm, no. I bet it's been sluggish and slimy and just awful. Just awful. Uh, He's probably whispering weird shit uh, in their ear uh, too. Uh, Hard pass. I want to have sex with your daughter. Uh, I want to have sex with my daughter. I mean, your daughter. Uh, daughters. I right? mean, our daughters. Da- I mean, me just yours. You, Hang they're on. They're great. Daughters are great, especially when they're hot like mine. <laughs> Uh. Speaking of people who uh, are running for president uh, in 2020, we got reverse Bernie Sanders in Father's Day. (laughs) We got to take the cake back from the 1%. But he's more like my cake. (laughs) We're going to take the cake back from the 99%. Yeah. Fuck him. He's reverse Bernie Sanders. Dude, he is Sanders as fuck in this. Yeah, this, this whole story is really crazy. We got these people in this parlor and then the, is it the aunt starts talking about Bedelia? Yeah. Yeah, she's telling the story of Bedelia who uh, killed... Fell in love with a guy. Yeah, she fell in love with a guy. Dad didn't approve. The dad didn't approve and he had him killed in a hunting accident. Uh, much like a Dick Cheney sort of thing. I right. <laughs> um, and then she has, she kills him. Yeah, she kills him. Pounding his head in with and an ashtray. With it, and comes back every year on the anniversary of that to, to celebrate. Me- to meditate on it. Yeah. Goes out there for an hour and meditates, she says. I get it, man. I get... But Bedelia's the only person I get in this segment. Everyone I else, I don't know what they're doing. But yeah, Bedelia, no clue. Fuck yeah. <laughs> she yeah. goes out there and she just drinks herself some Jim yeah. Beam by the graveside. Now, this is crazy. Vivica uh, Linfer's 
who plays Bedelia, that was improvised. The her speech at the That's tomb, crazy improvised. She she based it basically off of her experience with her father. Oh shit! Which is interesting because one of the things she calls him is a bootlegger, which we never hear. I thought that was strange. Otherwise, so I'm wondering if that was about her father or if it was just something that was in the script and they didn't explore it or. I don't know. Well, that's the thing when you're dealing with such like short little vignettes of stories. Yeah. There's so much that's just kind of left for like yeah. interpretation, especially in something to tide you over. There's uh-huh. a lot that's just like I don't know. You figure it out. You know, you figure mm-hmm. out what happened here. That's really really cool, man. Yeah. Interesting. That makes sense too because apparently Romero, from what I understand, is very big about letting his actors yeah figure shit out. Or yeah, just we like, talked I don't know, about do that something. a bit on the Dawn of the Dead episode. But yeah. yeah, they definitely. He's definitely very open. Very hands off creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Not like a James Cameron or somebody no, like that. No. Just very hands on. Wow, that's really cool. And yeah, basically what we end up with here is. The people that are in this, you know, kind of tea room, they're waiting on Bedelia to come back because they always celebrate this time of year with a glazed ham dinner. <laughs> a glazed ham glazed dinner. I love when the maid comes uh, in. She's like, should I glaze the ham yet? I and they're mean, like, no, wait. Think about it. Even if you were super rich in the early 80s, food still kind of sucked. Dude, when was the last time anybody our age is like i'm gonna make a glazed ham you know why they don't because it's not that good because it sucks (laughs) man it's not worth it either man i grew up like every you know christmas eve and Uh shit like that going over to my mama's place yeah and she would have that great not great classic southern tradition of an armor brand canned ham which, if you guys are listening to this and are unaware, uh, it's like a... How much would you say that weighs? Like four pounds? Four pounds, yeah, in a can. Kind of an egg-shaped can. Yeah, you got one of those, like, keys at the top that you roll back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a ham. And it's a ham in a can. Yeah, basically and spam. And that's fancy food that you'd have that's for a special occasion. fancy food. What yeah. the fuck kind of lobbyist convinced us that that was okay or acceptable especially when like dude always been but but here's the thing man by everything at the same time here in the south on like everybody's grandparents land there's like a smokehouse and shit yeah where they used to cure and hang hams well see that's when you were saying ham for christmas and stuff i started thinking like well actually in my family the ham for christmas was actually really good yeah (laughs) yeah it wasn't the old-fashioned like canned ham or it wasn't even like the glazed ham it was like a nice salt pork that's real good yeah like a real hung cured ham that's a different kind of thing Mm -hmm. but somehow or another they became convinced that oh when it comes in a can it's fancy fucking disgusting man (laughs) so awful dude yep i agree and while they're waiting on Bedelia to come back, we get treated to some amazing Those dance moves, dance choreography. Damn, white people love to clap, dude. Fuck, we love to clap. If we're getting the groove, we gotta clap. Gotta hit your hands together. Hell yeah! And dude, Bite Ed Harris in this as kind of the boyfriend that I guess is mm-hmm. kind of new to the family. Yeah, he's not saying much, which is so weird because you're like, that's Ed Harris, Ed but it's Harris. 1982 Ed Harris. Yeah. So it's like he's just. Some guy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Ed with hair. It's Ed. It is. Hair ass, not hairless. 
as Ed, he became known Ed later. Has. <laughs> yeah, Ed Hare has. He was known at this time. Can't swim, does. <laughs> Can't swim, does. That's right. <laughs> but the crazy thing about it is like, even though he had hair and even though he was way younger, he still looks old. He looks old. He's one of those people yeah. that's always, He's always looked, old. looked old. Always. It's weird, right? Yeah, it is. But I'll tell you what, there's a certain advantage. If you're listening to this show mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm in my late 20s, already look old. What? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, here's some good news. For the next 40 years, you won't look any older. That's true. How? Right? Like, there's, there's even bastard. a thing like, uh, you know, one of my favorite guitar players, Joe Satriani. Uh huh. On all of his early album covers, he had this, this puffy, you know, uh, permed up dark mm-hmm. hair that you could tell was kind of receding a bit yeah and then whenever the crystal planet record came out that's when he started sporting his like chrome dome totally shaved yeah. head completely 180 from his look for the past decade or so mm-hmm. and that came out in the 90s and it's like meanwhile here we are you know nearly 30 years later he doesn't look like he aged right yeah when you get old early you yeah. kind of quit aging you kind of do yeah that's true Michael Jordan doesn't really look any different. No, he always looks the same. He's always looked the yeah, same. Except for that one Haynes commercial where he had that Hitler mustache. That was that was odd. Unacceptable. That was very strange. Yeah. Some people think I'm being absurd right now. No, no it's no, no. real. It's, look it's it up. Very real. <laughs> it's Why real. did that happen? I don't know. I'm taking it like, back. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> I'm reclaiming it for everybody. No, Michael. You're I'm not. a hero. I'm gonna bring the stash I, back. I'll, I'll Charlie tell you Chaplin this. had it. Nobody hated him. From what I've heard. He is extremely competitive and will gamble on anything. I bet he had a bet with somebody that it had some sort of stipulation that you have right. to shave your mustache and do a Hitler it's mustache. Like, oh, I could pull that off. I could pull off a Hitler mustache. And he was mustache. like, I'll win. It won't matter. And then he loses. Kids <laughs> love like, me. Fuck. Fuck it. Hitler mustache. <laughs> Speaking of which, the, I, this is something I should have mentioned. For uh, The other night, I, I, I watched... For about 30 or 45 minutes, I was watching YouTube videos about Larry Bird talking trash. Oh, yeah? Is he a shit talker? He was amazing shit talker. Like, so fucking WWF good. level. Like, amazing. He, uh, in one game against the Pistons, Dennis Rodman was coming off of a year where he won Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. And Larry Bird was just lighting him up and never looking him in the face. And then he he w- he like hit this three and he turned to his coach and he's like, "You're gonna have to get somebody to guard me out here. Where is it? Oh Where God, is it? just fucking oh, with Dennis Rodman's salty head. as shit. Yes. <laughs> Damn, the Birdman, the Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice while they were like there in the parlor hanging out, the uh, the the main woman in there was like talking about having some scones? Oh, fuck you, bitch. Scones. scones? Scones? No. Go smoke another cigarette. <laughs> Scones. What the fuck is S-C-O-N-E-S. How is that pronounced? If a British person just said scone, you're wrong. You're wrong. Excuse me, dear. Please do pass me an aluminium scone taco. <laughs> I mean, see, technically that's true for them because that's how it's spelled. They have it spelled It's not aluminium. wrong. It's not, they but do, it does sound silly. Though they do say herb. That's just... Oh, come on. Yeah. Who are you, Martha Stewart? Because it's got a fucking H in it. I guess so. That's mm. what they say. Martha Stewart always said herb. I don't get it. I don't really I understand don't like that. It. Give me herb. <laughs> I mean, she hangs out with Snoop Dogg. Yeah, she's pretty fucking OG now. That's true. Yeah, back in the day. Not quite as OG. Not quite as cool. Oh, man. Now, this movie, too, uh, this segment of the movie, I mean, has a real, like, 
late 70s feel yeah, it does. to me. You know? I, that's actually interesting to me is that it, it does seem to be all over the place. Whereas the last one I would say is like updated modern technology. Yeah. It feels like maybe the Jody Verrill one is a little bit older. That mm-hmm. one seems maybe a little bit more in the past. This does seem 70s. Like they're dancing to the disco and stuff. And the clothes. This, I mean, in 82, that's still maybe a residual. Yeah, there's that spillover, yeah. That, yeah. that decade spillover that we yeah. talked about before. Where it's like, just because it's in the 80s doesn't mean everything yeah. is neon colors. And, and disco didn't just die overnight. It still kind of held on for a I while. I just wonder. It's like... Did people just used to get up and start dancing at people's houses when there was music playing on a record? Like, not even like a band playing. I think so. I think before phones, people used to do like a lot of shit. Yeah? They used to get up and move their bodies? I don't get it. Gross. It's weird. I mean, that's the thing, though, is that they're just hanging out, waiting around. There happens to be music playing, and you're like, maybe I get up and dance. Maybe I do. Like, if somebody did that now, you'd be like... You're a fucking lunatic. That is true. Why are you dancing? This is weird. <laughs> You're making everybody uncomfortable. Please sit down. Get on your phone, please. Yeah, please just sit down and pull out your phone and look at that. Text somebody else while you're talking to us, please. (laughs) I want to know that you're not invested in this. Exactly. (laughs) What are you, caring about this? Gross. I think maybe what it is, is that we all treat the world so serious now that we don't want anything serious to happen when we're just hanging out might be that nothing serious you start dancing and it gets a little too serious all right so let's stop that you're a little too committed to yeah. trying to have fun here barbara you need to sit the fuck down it's so crazy ed harris at one point in this goes out looking for bedelia yeah and i love that he finds her bottle of jim beam and is like he kind of gives us a like little smirk like this will be a nice little treat. Maybe yeah. I have myself a sip of that. Sweet Jim Beam for me. Yeah. And then that's, of course, when like zombie Bernie Sanders <laughs> comes back and gets... Of course, that's after we, it's been revealed that... Tax the poor, he <laughs> says. <No! laughs> Medicare for all. Medicare for none. He's reversed Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. P.S. In the, the most recent Democratic debate, yeah. Bernie sounds real old. Like, his voice and stuff has sounded so craggy. He's old as fuck, dude. I'd still vote for him. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, the level of compression and stuff they've had on his mic has been cracking me up. Well, that's uh, the thing that I think, like, I I don't... The media is not truthful about Bernie Sanders. So, did they make his mic sound like that? I don't know. Okay, that's a good point. It's kind of hard to say. Like, I got the impression that... He sounds like he's got some upper respiratory action happening right Uh now, and they tried to just level everything out with a fuck ton of compression. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but even like at the end of the debate, whenever they were kind of like, it was like- When they were all like, yeah, Biden totally won that. Biden. Biden. Oh, Biden with his fucking teeth falling out during the debate. Did you see that shit? No. Dude, there's a part where I just don't even his care fucking about teeth him. fall out, and yeah. he like lodges them back into place while speaking. Yeah. You're too fucking old, Joe. Yes, Sit down. Are. Listen, have you met anybody that's like Biden? Number one, one hundred fucking no. nobody. Anyway, so whenever we have that reveal of when uh, a Bizarro World Bernie Sanders comes mm-hmm. out, the zombie kind of makeup and stuff is sick. It is. He's got, got kind of like the maggots eyes. in the eyes and stuff. Yeah. 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 It totally looks cool to me. I yeah. think some of those maggots are like Rice Krispies, apparently, yep. <laughs> which and is awesome. There's some real maggots and a lot of Rice Krispies. Yeah. Whenever Ed Harris, though, is like 
lying in that grave. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Ed, move. <laughs> yeah, it it almost feels like something weird that like Argento directed, where it's right. just like people are acting in these non-human weird right, ways. That's, that's how aliens act. Yeah, because Dario Argento, mm-hmm. as we alien. know, yeah. is an alien, so Straight he doesn't really know how people act. You make it, it felt like pizza. that. You make the pizza and then you lay in the grave. <laughs> and then you let the thing fall on you. Yeah, like Bedelia's corpse like rolls over on him and he's like pretty oh, unaffected. That's weird. And then he's watching as this huge headstone is just kind of like teetering and then it's teetering. And he's like, oh, that's weird. What about that? wonder who's moving that. What's uh, going on I there? I do a sit up or... Nah, I'll just lay here. Maybe I'll just die. Yeah. yeah, through his head he was going, hmm, choice one, do a sit up. Mm-hmm. Choice two, die. Yep. Uh, dying sounds Guess cool. I'll just die. Yeah. yeah, this is just me now. <laughs> Fuck it. I've had my fun. I did my dance. He did do his dance. Yeah, I'll call That's it true. in. I'll call it in. <laughs> and then later on, we got the other sister and the clearly closeted gay brother. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if they were going for that or that was just the actor. But I don't know. It, it does seem to be He made some clear. choices. Yeah. And they go looking around through the house and stuff. They find the dead maid. And then... Uh, negative bernie sanders comes out i got my cake yeah which is a severed head with icing on it and candles yeah did he do that i don't know he's very crafty if he did especially for having no eyes can you imagine (laughs) this is is on par with the creeper standing in line to get his vanity license Mm, plate mm -hmm. imagine that zombie making frosting he's cutting the tip off the icing bag yeah lighting the candles <laughs> walking slowly so the candles don't blow out exactly yeah yeah that's a good point he would have had to have done all that it's a fun story yeah i think is. i think that it's cool like it's yeah. all ridiculous all the flashbacks of him like you know banging his cane on his chair being like i want yeah. my cake yeah are so over the top and zany and ridiculous and mm-hmm. weird it's to me, it's just cool. And then, of course, at the end there, too, we get that reveal of um, the chick and the and the brother after they see the dad walking out with the head cake. They get those crazy, like, frames around them. Yeah. Well, that they're like, it's their reaction of being terrified, yeah. but they got this weird cutout uh-huh. thing, stained glass looking thing behind them. It's so them. cool. Apparently, too, they did that all in camera. Really? Yeah. Like they put these like projector screens with like a uh, like a transparent film behind uh-huh. them and lit it from the back and okay. stuff. So those effects that look very post are actually happening in camera. That's really cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's just like those extra miles they went into to make this all yeah. real. All of that, like that's the thing is that going that extra mile, it pays off yeah. every time. Every fucking time. And it's so weird that it's all about cutting corners like everybody is about like how can we do this the cheapest and easiest instead of being like let's just put a little effort in yeah <laughs> have a better product pretty much yeah. man pretty much yeah i like the i like the father's day story i think that, i think that it's cool it's it just is, like a good weird setup it is however the second best short in horror anthology entitled father's day because ah, the best yeah. is Jocelyn Donahue in Holidays. Holidays, yeah. that's right, man. Yeah, that's definitely the superior yeah. Father's Day 
Do you want to rate these one by one as we go, or do you want to just yeah, like give uh, an overall? Yeah, let's just rate them one by one. I, I think this one uh, for me is it's like a six and a half. It's That's exactly what I was story. gonna say. That's yeah. what I was gonna say too. It, it's cool. It's got some memorable characters in it. Yeah. Some great special effects. Yeah, and then it's done. It's over pretty quick. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Six and a half out of ten on this one. And then we get to the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. Now, this one wasn't my favorite as a kid, but I think as an adult, this is maybe my favorite short in the It might be anthology. mine, too. Yeah. It might be mine, too. I, I mean, I liked it, it as really a kid, cool. but it really grossed me out. But Yeah. Yeah, now it's just like, Stephen King's really good at it. Like, That's the thing, man. Is like I think he really understood that he was supposed to be playing a comic book character yeah you know you could you could look at this and be like oh he's like way overacting and saying all these goofy well i'll be dipped in pig shit Uh like all these really over the top lines but it's like that's kind of how comic books read Mm -hmm. like whenever we see uh you know the avengers movies and it's like wow this is really like having tony stark on screen Mm -hmm. it's not really that. no it's more like having a version of tony stark written more accurate cinematically yeah Yeah, exactly instead of the comic book yeah because yeah. even a lot of those marvel comics from these beloved characters and stuff that were coming out in the 60s 70s mm. early 80s a lot of them had this way over the top dialogue yeah. that was just silly as fuck and like the mm. characters would be making these goofy zany facial expressions and yeah. shit because they were trying to make all the panels larger than life and everything obviously yeah. but the way that stephen king plays his part feels like a comic book character okay so george romero gave him this advice he told him to play the character like he was wily coyote right when he realizes he's ran off the cliff oh shit so like that exact moment so that and you kind of can see him doing that face a lot the just like uh oh yeah face a whole lot so that's an interesting note he gave him i really like that they went for that and you're right it is it's very comic booky over the top silly very much yeah and then turns dark it kind of gets lovecrafty yeah. yeah like this to me really feels like a, a weird synthesis of like early days comic books mixed with like some lovecraft lovecrafty yeah. and weird mm-hmm. darkness you know because yeah. he finds this meteor that just crash lands in his yard and he like touches it and it burns his fingers and then he puts his fingers in his mouth too. Yeah, and that's kind of what starts the spread of the of the meteor shit, basically. Yeah, that makes plants grow out of everything. Yeah. Now I it, love how it's not explained. It's not explained. I love that. And it, I mean, it's like kudzu <laughs> that you yeah. mentioned. Uh, oh wait, we didn't do that. Yeah, on the this podcast. That was a conversation we had. Yeah, it just uh, overtakes everything. It's like kudzu. Yeah, where it just overtakes everything, and it seems like oh, this could be a good thing because there's more plants. But it's like oh no, no, it turns everything into plants. Like it goes even further. But the weird thing about whatever is happening here is it doesn't seem as if this meteor has landed and brought space plants with it. It's like no. all the plants that are already here and pre-existing yeah. react to it. Uh huh. And react to uh, Jordy growing his own plant life yeah. and stuff like that. It's not like it's like pre-existing stuff is affected by it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I love the fantasy sequences. Yeah, dude. They reminded me of a Christmas story, but this actually came out before a Christmas story. That's funny because after you mentioned that, it totally feels exactly like yeah. the over-the-top, whimsical, plus, idealized. Plus. Yeah. Plus. He goes to the department of meteor of meteors, uh-huh. right? Yep. And he's like, 
I'll offer you 50 bucks. And he's, he's like, like 200. 200 and not a <laughs> cent less. Yeah. Like it's so big and dumb and over the top yeah. and, and awesome. And then later when he goes in his fantasy goes to the doctor to have the fingertips checked out, it's the same guy from the meteor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's dumb because Jordy's dumb. He just assumes they like they whatever they do at the college, it's everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> just some learned man. Yeah, will tell me my whole arm needs to come off or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, basically he gets this meteor and takes it inside and starts growing all this plant life and stuff mm-hmm. all over his body. And at first it starts to just like some like moss on his fingertips and on his, and his tongue. tongue. Oh. So that, that to me is like way gross. The oh. thought of having like a growth on my tongue mm. or something. Yeah. Uh, that's like the shit they showed in like planet terror where like yeah. dude's tongue is like uh-huh. getting all pustule uh-huh. filled and shit. Oh, oh it's the they worst. And, like in your mouth. Oh. Ah, it's so bad. But like as he's going through this stuff, and continually growing more and more, and he's he's drinking some Ripple and watching some uh-huh. Razzlin, watching Bob Backlund take on the Samoan, just the good old days. Yeah. Sounds like uh, Vince McMahon is commentary, doing the commentary yeah. yeah, which is pretty cool, very old school. Stephen King likes Razzlin, doesn't he? I believe so. Yeah, I want to say there's been some other connections yeah. with his stuff in wrestling. He's been incorporating pop culture into his books. Which I think has been one of the genius things about him. Keeps it relevant, man. He keeps it relevant. Whereas, like, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, you go back to it and it's like, well, but, like, what time is this? Like, it doesn't doesn't feel like any specific era or decade or anything. But with Stephen King, it's very specific. Mm -hmm. Like, songs are mentioned, movies are mentioned, things like that. Always keeping with the times. Yeah. But you get this sense of just how lonely this guy's existence is. Like... It's basically just him. I mean, yeah, the only other characters in this... Out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And the only other characters in this are entirely fantasies. just his fantasies. Yeah. yeah the, the the meteorologist guy and, like, his dad that we see at the very yeah. end. Those are the only other people in this. This is, like, yeah. a Stephen King, like, one act, essentially. Yeah. And it's like, again, I know that it's silly and, like... He wakes up after watching wrestling. He's got all this growth all over him, and he makes this like giant screwdriver with like a uh-huh. bottle of vodka and some orange <laughs> See, juice. He mixes the the screwdriver with the bottle of vodka. He, like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good move. I love that move. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, and yeah, he he decides that he needs to go like take a bath. Mm-hmm. And that's when he has that vision of his dad, and you suddenly get this like other insight that's like, oh, this guy came from this like puritanical. Yeah kind of household i guess yeah so uh, and also interesting next to his uh bathtub a bunch of porno mags i didn't see that There's really a reference back to the prologue like the the he he keeps a pretty good thread going i didn't see that. i mean the the primary thread is that that ashtray from the first one is in all it's in his of, house yeah uh, but it's, it's, in all it's actually them. in all of the oh yeah. wow mm-hmm. that's pretty cool yeah but he has that vision of his father and then he's like i'm growing which yeah. just seems so weird and like poignant. It's very puberty-like too, because but he's a grown ass man. Yeah, at that point, the moss is only like in the beard area and the chest hair area. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of like a a puberty moment, but he's a grown ass man. So it's like, oh, like that's where it kind of indicates to us that he's like maybe developmentally behind like yeah, maybe, maybe because his father and mother didn't tell him about puberty and stuff like he's having this like second puberty well, revelation even, there's even that part where he's getting in the bath and he like looks down at like his crotch and he's like yeah. not there too yeah exactly yeah that's interesting that is yeah. very very puberty like now that you uh-huh. mentioned it. i hadn't thought about it that way 
Yeah. Huh. And he I, gets I mean, in. It, it's. I mean, it, it's 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 feasible to say that he's in some has some relation to the kid from the prologue. Mm-hmm. Like it's possible to think that they look alike. Obviously, like is this supposed to demonstrate to us like what what uh, this young kid will be like if he's raised by this father in this manner like he will be this could be sort yeah. of hapless idiot who doesn't know anything about the world because he doesn't get to read because he's sheltered yeah. yeah hmm but man whenever he he takes the bath and it just accelerates the growth of everything mm-hmm. and then he then it gets dark <laughs> It gets really fucking dark. Yeah. yeah, he wakes up and realizes like he's just this like moss man, uh-huh. and he'd been talking about his like streak of bad luck mm-hmm. that he's always had. He's like, oh, that that viral only bad got luck or whatever. Luck always comes in only one kind. B A D. Yeah. Yeah. And he sits down against the wall, and like fucking grabs a shotgun, blows his head off, and just blows his head off. He says something about like. uh he says something about his luck again. He's like, let yeah. this be good luck this time yeah. or some shit like that. I can't remember what it is that he yeah. says, but something to indicate like, hopefully this works out. Yeah. And I mean, it shows it. He's leaning up against mm-hmm. the wall and just blows his head off. Just totally yep. Cobain's it. And, uh, well, it's, I mean, Courtney Love wasn't there, but that's true. That's yeah. a good point. <laughs> Man, it's dark. Yeah, it does. It gets real dark from being real goofy. That's why I like it. I think I think it's the best acted of the the segment. Well, I don't know. Actually, now I think about it, Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson are They're really great. good together. They're really yeah. really good. Yeah, but this has just such a weird dynamic where it's like it's so silly and goofy, but then at, also at the end makes you feel really yeah dark and yeah. strange and weird. That this poor like simple guy that just came across the thing and had these big plans and this shitty past that you just kind of assumed that he had $200 a big $200 yeah that was his dream is 200 bucks and because things start going downhill he's just like I guess I'll just kill myself yep I mean that's that's rugged it is it is uh what would you rate this Ben I think this is like a this is probably like an eight and a half out of ten it's fucking awesome I'd say it's up there it's real good and it's it's real quick too like it's quick and to the point doesn't and and the thing is too is like after he kills himself they start talking about how like there's gonna be a huge rain covering the town of Castle Rock and all this shit Castle Rock's five miles away we see on a sign yeah that's pretty cool it's gonna help everything grow and all this jazz so that's gonna take over basically the plant is I guess so yeah yeah but as we know from Castle Rock, it sure didn't. That's right. That's that, right. That Bill Skarsgård, he came along. He was a devil, I think. He was a devil underneath that underneath that jail cell and yep. so on. You know, the cool thing about uh, this one, too, is that that house that you see that, that Jordy lives in and uh-huh. stuff was all built. Yeah. All, it, almost all of this was shot in a, in a girls' school. In Pittsburgh, really? yeah, a former girls' school. They they just turned it into studio and set That's up crazy. tons of different sets. This one, apparently, the story is is that they gained access to this big plot of like open farmland. Yeah, that they actually built that house on. Okay, so they built this house on what used to be this formerly vacant lot of farmland, and the story is is that they apparently got a lot of complaints and stuff from airline pilots who were used to flying over this big stretch of open farmland, and then suddenly they see this, like, house and movie set and all this shit, 
and they thought that they were in the wrong area, <laughs> so they like turn around and shit. Did they not check like any other instruments? I have no idea. Again, this is like flight in the early 80s, right? I was thinking the same thing. Like, well, they, honestly, they were too drunk to, te- to check That's those instruments true. is the That's thing. That's true, yeah. But apparently it really caused like some problems because they, they built this like landmark there and nobody understood what was going on. Pretty crazy stuff, man. Pretty I think for me, uh, yeah, eight and a half sounds about right. This is just a, this is a real good anthology horror yeah. segment. And also, too, this is the first time that I noticed how sick the the soundtrack was. There's mm-hmm. a lot of just like very Carpenter esque synthesizer, real yeah. simple monophonic yeah, synth stuff is, in the soundtrack. Is. I hadn't really thought about that. You're right. Yeah, it's got it's got a lot of those good synthesizers things and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. liked it a lot. Now All after right. this, we get on to the third Something segment. Something to tide you over. Now this was my favorite growing up. Okay, and yeah. it still I think is one of the stronger segments. But Ted Danson, I've always loved Leslie Nielsen always loved oh yeah and they're both very funny man yeah and they are there's nothing funny about no this. huh especially like leslie nielsen that was the thing that really surprised me about this is whenever i saw that he was in this yeah. i was like okay cool so this, this is gonna, gonna get a funny silly. segment yeah he is villainous yep and very believable very in this, believable man. yeah pretty awesome yeah here's the thing about leslie nielsen though is he was a very funny man and so he had a fart machine in his pocket <laughs> and he would wait until right before george romero would call action and then he'd hit it and everybody would be cracking up <laughs> by the time the tension immediately. he called action so everybody's laughing immediately blows the take that's awesome uh, i read an interview with ted danson and ted danson said at that time like they went on a flight together and they were talking across the aisle and he said every third person who would walk by Leslie Nielsen would use that fart machine. <laughs> and eventually they got kicked out of first class. Oh, out of first class. Yes. Pro move. Using your fart machine in first class. That's what we call textbook not giving a fuck. Why, yeah. That's killer, man. Yeah, I've always I've always loved Leslie Nielsen, man. Yeah. I think there's something about like dudes from our era. Yeah. That guy just tickles our fucking funny bone. Yeah. Most yeah. chicks I know hate him. Kate like hates him. A lot of girls I know now, don't think he's funny at all. Okay. So you said this when we've talked about him before. Yeah. And oh, Emily's a fan, right? Mo- most women I know are fans of Leslie. Nelson. That's so crazy. Yeah. So it's just polarizing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Or maybe you just ran into some sour women. Oh my God. From the wrong side of town. Wrong mom side of town. Mom was right. I got to call mom and tell her she was <laughs> yeah. right. I married the wrong woman. A Leslie Nielsen hater. <laughs> Say it ain't so, son. Say it ain't so. I <laughs> tried to warn you i told you her nielsen rating was too low <laughs> that's, yeah that's a that's a thing we all have and yeah nielsen pretty sure rating yeah myself, how much we love it's a 10 nielsen. there you go <laughs> it's a 10 out of nine is the thing that you don't expect that's though. even better nielsen rating only goes to nine he's a 10 out of <laughs> he's nine a 10 out of nine mm, you're damn right now the storyline in this one is like a little ambiguous. It is. It's basically the idea I get is that Ted Nansen is sleeping with Leslie Nielsen's wife. I Leslie guess. Leslie Nielsen has buried her in the sand at a different point in the beach. Takes Dan Ted Nansen to another point, buries them, and then shows them each other. 
on a monitor drowning. There's kind of this weird technological slant to this into almost like yes. a, a black mirror it keeps episode. Show, yeah, it keeps showing like cameras and stuff. Like closed yeah. circuit surveillance yeah. cameras and shit. Like he's got his whole house wired with cameras. Yeah. Like, and you got to think in 1982, that was very like high tech yeah, expensive oh, shit. You absolutely. Know? I mean, everybody now uses their old iPhone as a, a house camera. Oh, duh. You know? Of course. But like back then... That wasn't really a thing. So this one has yeah. this weird like technological slant, but it's never really, I don't think exactly said mm. that there was like this love triangle or they were sleeping around or anything. It was just like, come with me or something yeah, bad's going to happen to Barbara. Yeah, there's a lot of like, talking around it. Yeah. Yeah, it's never really exactly said. It's The thing is that's interesting to me is the whole time Ted Danson has so many opportunities to escape. Okay, yeah. And he just kind of goes along with it. Right. And that's why I, again, thought a male authority figure. This is, he must have some issue with male authority figures. Like growing up, maybe he never got to that point where you say no Mm -hmm. and confront that male authority figure. And so he just goes along. Even though this is, he knows he's like, this guy is obviously in a bad state of mind. Even as he learns that he's buried his wife in the sand, like, he's still going along with him. Yeah, getting that hole. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, there's not much of a... Not much resistance. Re- yeah, there's not yeah. much of any resistance. Now, I will say, and this this uh, gave me the idea for a future video series of horror mythbusters. Oh. Uh, I'm pretty sure I could have gotten out of that hole. Get buried up to the neck in sand. Yeah. And get yourself your... out like. Yeah, because he wasn't... I mean, a lot of people would say, well, because he's on his knees, it's harder. And I would say, well, because he's on his knees, the, there's a lot less sand. That means sand. he's buried like a foot less deep. Yeah, so there's a lot and less sand. And you can also hoist yourself up. Whereas and if your legs you can are push straight, yourself yeah. up. Yeah, if you were straight up, you'd you can't have to push be against able to anything. move your arms up. Yeah. Yeah. I want to try it. Um, I know once it gets wet, that would be an issue. The moment it gets wet, it it weighs so much more. Oh, God, yeah. But he has opportunities when it's dry to just get out of it. That's true. He's there in the dry sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder about that. I mean, because part of me is like, okay, if you're completely surrounded by sand, surely that would be a couple hundred pounds worth. Probably. But, I mean... I can lift a couple hundred pounds. Ted Danson's a, a He's pretty, a pretty very, big masculine yeah. man, uh-huh. too. He's so. like 6'4 or something. Wow, is he really? Dude, yeah. Big guy. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, so I don't know. I would like to know that as well. Now that you mentioned yeah. it, I'm kind of like, I wonder if that could happen. I would love to see if that's possible. Because, I mean, if I find out I'm wrong, at least I got a trip to the beach. If I find out I'm right, then we can sue Creep Show for false advertising. There we go. Finally. Now we're talking. Take down that Romero. I'll use the money for good purposes. I'll pay for your funeral. Thank and you. And then I'll use the money for good stuff. <laughs> Just good stuff. Just good stuff. Meaning more guitars. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. I yeah. mean, you need them. I mean, yeah, I'm running. I'm running low. Same. I'm, and they're all different colors. Mostly, they're mostly all different colors. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. You're um, welcome. So I read this interview with Ted Danson, and he they were just going over his career, and they got the Creep Show, and. This just stuck out to me. So fucking funny. So the scene where he's underwater and, you know, he's like yelling. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, like a fish fucker! tank or something. Yeah. yeah. So before that, uh, he and Tom Savini smoked a joint. 
<laughs> and the rig was an aquarium that was on like a yoke that you could put on your shoulders so it would sit straight. Okay, cool. And then they filled it with water and they just had put some like, fishes. They would just, he was just sitting down. They would just put down like a, a breathing apparatus. He would breathe in and oh, like pull it out. To like an oxygen tank yeah. or something. Well, he, Ted Danson got so stoned that at a certain point he got convinced Tom Savini was trying to drown him. He didn't actually have any lines in that. He was supposed to just be, like, in the water. So he was yelling at Tom Savini when he was yelling. <laughs> you fucker! <laughs> Seriously? Yes. That's awesome! And they were just filming it, like, look at this stoned idiot freaking out. We'll use it. Print it. Yeah. Dude, that's so fucking funny. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> that rules. I bet Tom Savini. Could you imagine like how fun it is to get stoned with Tom Savini? I bet it would be a blast. Yeah, I'd dude, I just love like, to get hey, Tom me, Savini dude, or like, Ted Just tell Nathan. me some stories. Yeah, tell me some crazy shit that's happened on the set of these movies while we <laughs> smoke this joint. That would be incredible. Yeah, how cool is that, dude? So cool. Yeah, when I read that story, I mean, it was like, well, I have to tell that one. That one's great. No doubt, yeah. man. Well, and then later on, we get Ted Danson and his chick that come back as these like water yes. zombies, which I will I will say, having two stories where people come back as zombies back to back, yeah, they probably shouldn't have done that. That, that probably should yeah. have been like story one, then like story yeah. four or something like that. Like yeah. space those out, maybe. Yeah. But um, I love the water zombies. But they did look great, yeah. They, they looked kind of like old Greg. They did look like old Greg. <laughs> I, I want to imagine old Greg looked like them. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't drinking Baileys from a shoe they or were anything not, like that. They were not. They weren't wearing tutus. They did look pretty old greg It's attached to your rod, mother liquor. <laughs> God, that shit is so weird. <laughs> it is intensely strange yeah. and awesome. <laughs> yeah. But man, like they have this like greenish drowned, mm-hmm. like waterlogged kind of yeah. look. And I love that they're like soaking wet the whole time. Yeah. You know, they're not like dry looking. They're damp. Da- okay. So Ted Danson also told this story. Apparently his daughter was on set that day and he was really worried about her seeing him in all that makeup yeah. that it would scare her. Uh, be like seeing your dad without a mustache or right. something. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck? Uh, but apparently at some point she saw him and she was just like, hey, dad. Oh, like not even affected by no big it. deal. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of those things that I don't know as a child how I would react to it. Right. It seems yeah. like that would. Mm. It could be like really horrific, Real or traumatic. be like, look at how what a fucking idiot my, my dad's dad is. An idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I wish my dad had a regular job and worked in a factory or something. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I love whenever. <laughs> Do you imagine the child that wishes that? I wish my I dad, wish my worked, dad in a just worked in a factory instead of being in a hell. movie star. <laughs> <laughs> so lame. He's just out here pretending all day. He could be making something. Be practical, dad. <laughs> practical dad. Practical dad. <laughs> Always Ooh. doing boring things. Practical dad. Looks like the forecast is calling for rain at six. Better mow the lawn at four. Better get this thing done in time. <laughs> Hey, you're going out. Better take a water. You might get thirsty. Take care of yourself out there. Practical dad. (laughs) Buckle up, everyone. Practical dad. (laughs) Man, I love to, like, whenever Lizzie Nielsen, like, shoots them, like, the bullet wounds don't produce, like, blood. They produce this, like, blue-green, like, algae slimy water ooze, yeah. It's cool. And then Uh they bury him. And he's like, I can hold my breath for a long long time. time. That's about the only time he gets close to Zany in this. But otherwise, he plays it 
pretty fucking cool, yeah. man. It's uh, I mean, it's a good short tale of revenge and and further revenge. Yeah, double I guess revenge. that's it. Yeah, double yeah. revenge movie. And like I said, you got this technological slant in there. And even, I think the whole thing of like the cameras and the burying people alive is like vaguely James Bondy or yeah. something. You yeah, know, he's, like, he's he like a James like a Bond, Bond villain. villain. Almost, yeah, with all the... The, the, the gadgets, gadgets and, uh, and stuff, the yeah. long-term death plans, uh-huh. you know? And his speech. I mean, he's basically like he, he is telling him the whole time, I'm a Bond villain. Like, yeah. I, I don't care. If anything is mine, it's mine. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yep. yeah, his idea of possession. And the way, like, th- this movie has a very interesting way of treating women. Uh, Overall, and I don't yeah. know that it's a positive. I'm unsure. Yeah. Well, I, but, but you know, again, it's like we've talked before many times about Stephen King yeah, writing women. Women characters. Not uh, often the greatest. Yeah. Not, not really. I would say Bedelia is a maybe like a good strong character, though the fact that the story she's in is about her losing is kind of sad. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get to that one yeah. too. I guess that's the the next story here because that's kind of up oh, for really? debate. Yeah, uh, the crate, the crate is story number uh, four. But yeah, so uh, what would you give that last? I'd, I'd say it's it's to me it's like a seven and a half, eight. I'm going to yeah. go, let's see, something tied you over. I'm going to say is like a a seven. Yeah. I think the only reason I'm kind of rating that lower is I think the, the aesthetic of it looks very late 70s. Yeah. Which to me is like one of my least favorite looks. It is. You know? It's a gross look. I mean, he's like, Leslie Nielsen's wearing like a velour track suit. He is. And there's a lot of just like brown and tan things mm-hmm. in this. And it's just carpet. not really my look. Yeah, exactly. It's carpet. Yeah, Ugh. but again, cool soundtrack stuff and uh, great performances overall. I can't complain too much. One of the first words in the segment, the crate, is fuck-a-diddle. Fuck-a-diddle. Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah. Fuck-a-diddle-doo. Fuck-a-diddle. <laughs> Don't they say cock-a-doodle-doo in, fuck, what is that in? Damn it. I want to say it's like one of the uh, like Simon Pegg movies. Oh. Fuck a doodle do. I don't. Is know. that maybe in Hot Fuzz or something? Maybe I can't remember. I am, I watched Hot Fuzz recently. Okay, so probably but that. I don't. I don't remember. It I may might, be. I there. might be completely might wrong be about there. that. Okay, so that's a pretty great way to kick this thing off. <laughs> Fuck a doodle. We got. What do we got in here? We got Adrian Barbeau looking like a Monchichi. Oh my god, dude! Her hair and stuff is just yeah. awful. So Adrian Barbeau, she's she's plays this brash and. Boisterous wife. <laughs> Boy, who, is she. Um, I guess we're supposed to hate. And the problem for me is that when I see a bunch of academics together with sticks up their butts. Clearly, I, as you see in this. I, it's, for me, it's they're the ones I dislike. Yeah. I, I've been to those stick up your butt meeting things. and Are they a good time? No. No. Never. I'm sure they're not political Not, not even half a moment of fun unless the right person is there who knows that I can say stuff to that guy because he's not gonna run and tell everyone, oh, that guy's a secret racist, I think. Mm-hmm. He told me he likes red M&M's. Oh my lord of mercy. Yeah, but academia is crazy. Yeah, it's all fucking politics. Yeah, and that's what this gets at a good bit, and kind of like I get I get why he's embarrassed by her in this circumstance but in a lot of ways like 
What he's embarrassed by is the fact that his wife has personality and he doesn't. Well, here's the thing is like after you kind of pointed that out while we were talking about, you know, uh, plotting this episode and stuff yeah. out is like in my head and in my notes, I'm just like, oh, my God, this fucking Billy yeah. chick is just obnoxious as fuck and just a total ball buster, yeah. just brutal on her husband and stuff. But then it's kind of like what you pointed out. It's like, well. What's so great about him? Yeah, he has no personality. He has no personality. His and, only personality is hating his wife. Yeah. And it's like, you chose her. Well, and the thing <laughs> is, is, and also, too, it's like, you chose to stay with her. Yeah. Like, anytime you see relationships in that situation where one person is just, like, seemingly very, like, verbally abusive or whatever to mm-hmm. the other person, you're like, oh, that's just terrible. I say those things. Well, guess what? That person that's on the receiving end of those things is an idiot for sticking around. Get yeah. away and make your life I better. I mean, of course, there's always, there's always mitigating yes, there's circumstances, always for sure. But, uh, it, yeah, in this case specifically, it's like he has, like, he's not dependent on her for no. money or no. anything. Like, he, he clearly must not think very much of himself to stick exactly. with her. Exactly. If he, if he hates her so much, like, you are a white man in the 80s. You could literally you own you the could world. just kill her in front of everyone yeah which well, is the fantasy the he fantasy has. that he has people like do those like little claps or like way yeah. to go you murdered her you just kill her in front of everyone and be like she kept insisting people call her billy and then the cops would be like sir i'm here's my gun william is a man here's name. my gun and badge kill whoever you'd like <laughs> on me this yeah. one's on the house <laughs> free, what if cops could give away free murders? Yeah, one murder on this the house. This one's on the house, all right? <laughs> you saved a cop in like 10 years ago, so you can do whatever you want. Pass go, collect $200. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you point it out that way, or it's like, like I said, my first instinct was to go like, man, alive, she fucking sucks. Well, yeah, but that's, then, that's but then the it's pers- like, he sucks too. Yeah, that's the perspective of the writing and the directing, but just looking at it, it's just like, well, that's, I mean, like, First off, I don't get, I don't get the, this is like Chaucer level, like the scold character, like she scolds her husband Mm. and therefore she's bad. Okay. And it's like, we, I think, I think that doesn't happen as much anymore. It's pretty much gone the way of the Dodo because it's very clear what that means is if a woman speaks up and says what she's thinking she's wrong mm-hmm. like she shouldn't do that her husband is the one who decides what she's thinking um but the perspective of this is a little off for me where it's like no we're supposed to think she's bad that's the impression i got yeah. too it's like i don't really think that you're supposed to be having yeah. the thoughts that that we're saying right now yeah. it's like well he puts up with it and right. well he's a fucking boring academic yeah. dude anyway like what's the big deal about that guy i don't i don't really get that it was supposed to be making you think those things but no. we see it now yeah the way we look at it later. from our yeah. yeah from the 2019 perspective is yeah the, this is a little off now uh we do later get good reason to dislike her whenever he yeah. calls her to pretend that his friend i think raped a girl or maybe locked her up and beat her or, or maybe her. locked her up and beat her but that she's just like laughing about it. Yeah, she's like, like, "Oh, what did he do? Did he hit her?" Yeah, she's not really. Yeah, she doesn't seem to be a sympathetic person at that point. No, yeah. definitely not standing up for other women. Yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, you get the impression that this guy that the husband works with, like, 
kind of fucks students a lot, I guess. Yeah, maybe. And and so, yeah, when he tells her that, she it's believable to her. So, But again, that's more reasons to dislike him, too. It's yeah, like, because, why yeah, would you be fine friends with, with this exactly. fucking guy that fucks Everybody students? Everybody in this is pretty deplorable. They really yeah, are. Except for Mike the janitor. Who, he's he a seems pretty guy. cool. He's a nice guy. He got killed. I mean, the thing is, though, is actually during that same scene, I found another reason to greatly dislike Billy, which is her affinity for drinking milk and whiskey. <gasps> She's just drinking a big old glass of milk. I wonder what that's called. What is that drink called? <laughs> milk and whiskey. Alcoholism. <laughs> Any reason to be an alcoholic, I think is what that's called. Uh, I think that's called indifference. Yeah, there you go. What's your favorite mixer for Desire whiskey? Desire to die. Don't care. Just give it to me. Whatever. Anything. <laughs> I would Cigarette. Say ashtray? Sure. I'll drink whatever. an ashtray full of whiskey. Put the whiskey in there. Don't give a fuck. My life sucks. <laughs> I love, too, that she's like at home drinking that and then gets kind of called over to the school. Yeah. And she like carries it with her. I'll take my glass of milk. I have always found something very comical about seeing someone carrying a glass from home in a school. The first time what? I saw it happen was Holly Ford. That's oddly specific. I know. When we were in college. When we were in college. And I, it's just so odd and out of place to see because you don't see people walking around with a glass of something. At school. You just never see it. I mean, I, I wouldn't know, so I'll take like, your word for it. You might see a Starbucks cup. Even Dahmer? Well, Dahmer, yeah, of course, he'd have a glass of vodka. <laughs> oh. But again, that was odd, it's right? kind of strange, yes. I guess. I guess so. But That's I saw funny. it a number of times after that, especially when I was in grad school and it was like we were there all the time, so bring whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> You're just living at school. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But... I don't know. Every time I saw it after that, it always just stuck out in my mind. Like, what? Where did that come from? Where did you get a glass? You brought <laughs> a glass make from it home into your car, an open glass? It's an open container. It doesn't even have a lid. What? How? Sometimes I'll be doing something like in the morning where like I'll wake up and I'll make a cup of coffee mm-hmm. and then I'll realize like, oh, I need this or whatever to make mm-hmm. lunch and so then i'll like go to the store with your coffee with my, cu- my cup of coffee See, with this a mug. Is exactly what i'm talking about if i saw somebody with a mug of coffee in a grocery store i'd be like what the fuck and i have noticed at times where i'm like this seems kind of silly so weird but it's i mean weird. i wasn't gonna put this in a to-go <laughs> cup just so i could drive somewhere if it's like a half drunk cup of coffee there's no risk of this yeah. spilling i'll take it in my car right if it's full yeah i'm gonna put well, that yeah. in to go because if I hit a bump, it's going everywhere, yeah. and that's awful. But if it's like a half full cup of coffee, fuck it, I'll just take it with me. <laughs> or like I'll go to like the bank teller window. And like I just like to cash these checks, <laughs> drinking out of my mug, and I'm like, this looks kind of weird. Here's I guess all I'm waiting for is to see one day some dude just walking into a movie theater with a plate and a fork, just <laughs> eating something. <laughs> that would crack me that up. Would that I would be just like spaghetti. Just you like- sir, I respect. <laughs> Brought this from home. Oh, really? <laughs> no kidding. You didn't get at that at the snack bar. I think that'd be cool. I'd be yeah. like, you know what? I respect the shit out of you. I don't know you, but I'm forced to respect your decisions. I have to. Yeah. Have Look to. at the authority that man has. Well, he has a he has uncut meat on that plate. He's not even have a knife. Yeah. How's he gonna do What's it? What's he doing? That is a man with confidence, 
and burnness. <laughs> and uh, basically, the the <laughs> the crux of this story is that the janitor accidentally finds this sealed crate underneath yep. the stairs at From the university. Eighteen thirty-four, almost one hundred and fifty years old. From Antarctica. Yeah, and it's got the name Carpenter on it. Oh, oh. I wonder what the thing about Some that people is. Think this huh? might be a nod to the thing, and also John Carpenter was working on his adaptation of Stephen King's Christine while this was being filmed. So maybe that was very likely a nod to Carpenter and Adrian Barbeau and John Carpenter were married at the time oh wow yeah really yep wow just yet yeah, another one of those times that like this iconically hot female mm-hmm. ends up with a guy that's like way not in her league <laughs> right? John Carpenter never been a good looking guy no, he's just a, a dude yeah he looks like some guy listen dude if you want to get chicks don't be a fucking asshole and be good at something. Yeah, just go be good at something. People are like, that's attractive. Be funny. Yep. Oh, man. That works. Tons of bonus points. Yep. At least be confident. Fuck. Let's just stop whining, really. Seriously. That's what you need. Just quit fucking whining. Stop whining. Stop with the fucking Nobody whining. likes the whining. Oh, my God. Anybody that does like the whining is nobody that you want in your fucking life. That's true. Go stay home with your yeah. fucking mom. Yeah, because people generally, if they like other people's whining, it's that they like that the person next to them is incapable. Like, they uh, yeah. like having that power over them, knowing like, oh, this person can't do anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you don't want any of that shit in your life. Yeah, you don't need to be that person. No. Yeah. Huh? And that crate, we've come to find out, contains uh, what is known on the set as Fluffy. Fluffy, yeah. It's, it's never just, called that in the movie, but yeah. everybody knows it is Fluffy. It's just like a gorilla-ish kind creature. Kind of Wendigo. Kind of Wendigo, Sasquatchy maybe. Yeah. kind of thing. A troll-ish, maybe. But it's, yeah, it's just this cool creature. Uh, Tom Savini's first animatronic. That's crazy. Because yeah. it's, like, great. It's awesome, yeah. And well, it's shot mean, very you know, cool, too. Yeah, yeah, they made good choices with it because, like... When you do finally see the close-up of its eyes at the end, it's a little like, oh, that that, that looks obviously like an animatronic. Animatronic, yeah. But the way they shoot it, it always looks great. Well, one thing about this that's cool, too, that, that works very well with the comic book narrative is that a lot of times throughout this whole movie, but especially in this segment, whenever like action and stuff starts happening or like crazy supernatural shit goes on, the lighting gets like Argento crazy. Yes. Like during yeah, this, dark, like deep reds and blues, pinks and, and pinks, blues. Yeah. It's like very Suspiria lighting. Mm-hmm. So whenever this thing like flips out and like grabs the, I think it grabs the janitor first, right, and kills him. Yeah, he's the first one who dies. Like the the lighting goes from just like totally normal to this crazy psychedelic, like we said, pinks and blues mm-hmm. and all this stuff, and. For one, it's so disorienting. They're like, what the fuck's going on? Just big soundtrack stabs mm-hmm. and stuff going on. But also the crazy monochromatic lighting yeah. kind of hides the fact that this thing's fake. That's true. It's very yeah. advantageous and stylish. And right. also, again, comic book accurate. Yes. There's a lot of times, especially in those old comics, when they only you know would, would do like 12 colors or whatever in a book. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where they would choose to make entire panels like just, I don't know, make it pink, whatever. <laughs> there was a period. The, the term yellow journalism uh, comes from the fact that uh, Hearst in his papers with the comic books Instead of running it with two colors, he had three. Look at yellow in there. Son too. of a bitch. And people were like, that's dirty. That's cheap. How salacious. <laughs> I can't believe yellow is in there. 
<laughs> this is supposed to be goddamn journalism. Can you imagine the person who basically like ripped their shirt off at that moment? Like, what the fuck, yellow? <laughs> no, it's probably the same person. It's just like I the president. The president wore a tan suit. That same guy. <sighs> it's the same dude. He survived oh. that long. Like, yeah, he survived like ninety years. He survived on rage, outraged alone. by those two things. Those are the His things that kept him alive, and he died. <laughs> <laughs> the rage kept him going. And of course, our guy tries to find this plot to have his uh, obnoxious wife yeah, so killed by this beast. Because yeah, again, he's too weak and powerless to yeah. do it himself or just leave. And even, okay, so when the monster doesn't immediately attack her, he does his like rage thing and she just on, laughs at him. She's not a Afraid of yeah, him. and then she starts being like, "When's the last time you even got it up?" Yeah, just yeah. totally like emasculates him and mm-hmm. shit. So, in a lot of ways, I would say that like uh, the crate, like the monster in the crate, is supposed to represent his like rage, suppressed, his and stuff. suppressed yeah, rage. Yeah. yeah, but like it also represents an external thing entirely. So. Because, like, he's not involved when it first kills Mike the janitor. He's not even there. It's his other friend, so. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not really a representation of that then. Uh, and at the very end, we also find that Fluffy is still alive. Like, there's yeah. a crate in the bottom of Escapes. the of the water and yeah. stuff there. And, yeah, it's alive and it escapes. Mm. I mean, obviously, this thing has survived sitting in a box for 150 years. It is yeah, somewhat it's, immortal, it's, I guess. It's one of them water bears. Oh, it's one of them. A tardigrade, yeah. it's called. It's a big ass. It's a, they call it a giant tardigrade. Oh. Yeah. That would be a force to be reckoned with right there. It really would. That'd be unkillable. Fuck. Can you imagine? What if so, they were, what if they were wear tardigrades? What? Where you just turn into this like <laughs> mega invincible, unkillable. But you're tiny. But you're very small. Teeny, tiny. Very, Aww. very small. I can feel myself shrinking. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, though, is like you do the werewolf thing and duck behind like an armoire or a yeah, hepa white. But you never come back up. Yeah, everybody's like, like where'd he go? <laughs> I don't know. It's like he vanished. And he's down there being like, you cannot stop me. It is That's funny, man. Um, so the graduate student says one of the funniest things that I've ever heard. He said, they're going to think you've been off on a hell of a toot. Hell of a toot, they What's say. What's a toot? What? What does that mean? Toot means fart, right? I guess so. Yeah, I think also, you've been off on a hell of a fart. Okay. I'll tell you what, though. I have heard people refer to like taking a bump of oh, coke yeah, as like a toot. Two toot to coke. Okay. So maybe maybe, that's maybe, like, maybe it's like they thought he would be off on yeah, a big coke. Cocaine dinner. was very ubiquitous in the late 70s. Everybody early 80s, did it so, back then. So yeah. maybe that's what he meant. Is like maybe. maybe a toot's like a coke bend or something like that. That makes sense. Is that the guy that looks like Paul Giamatti? The grad yes, student I looks like Paul was. Giamatti. He sounds like him too. <laughs> I know. Kind of. It's like weird. Yeah. Oh, man. That's weird. I, I was thinking maybe that like by. Because, like, I have heard someone say, I'm going to get farted when they <laughs> wanted to get drunk. Really? I'm going to get farted. What the fuck does that but mean? But again, we live in the South. We'll call where it anything. you can literally say anything, and it means probably getting drunk. Probably getting yeah. fucked up. <laughs> That's funny, man. We'll get farted. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this segment is, is cool. Like yeah. the, it's honestly cool because it of seems Fluffy. a little long. I know it feels yeah. longer than the others. It seems does longer than the others, and it also the the central conceits of it. I just don't think work anymore. Yeah, 
It's not um, really aged that well, and I just don't really care about any of the characters. Like literally, no, any they're of all them. bad people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like I don't really find any of them compelling. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, other than the janitor, he seemed cool. Yeah, he just wanted his quarter, man. Poor Mike. I know. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Mike the janitor. I think this is probably my least favorite segment of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, I would say this one is is uh, for me like maybe like five and a half, six. Yeah, it's still. Very watchable, but it's like mm, too slow. I think I would go like six yeah. for me. Yeah, like, and that's mainly just saved by the fluffy creature effects, yeah, which, which which looks awesome. Looks awesome. Again, very cleverly shot. I mean, sometimes it's clearly like a guy's arm in like a fursuit. Right. You know, and other times you get the cool facial uh-huh. animatronic thing and all that. That's really neat. And I, I think the, the parts where it's showing the main guy like fantasize about killing his wife mm-hmm. are very, very, very dark. They are and humorous. Good dark humor. Yeah. Yeah. So I like those aspects of it. And then that is followed by they're creeping up on you. The final yeah. segment in here, which is, uh, pretty crazy. It's yeah. short. It's very simple uh-huh. compared to the other ones. And only, you know what? We hear some voices. We see the, what's his name? Mr. White. So only two characters in it entirely. Well, only so. two two people in show person. up physically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some people on the phone. Yeah, and stuff. And he is this old guy that lives in this stark, sterile, white, futuristic apartment. Yeah, that has these weird like vacuum shoots where he can dispose of like tissues and stuff like this. He yeah. seems to be like a very germaphobe. Yeah, it's the that Howard Hughes thing. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't really touch anything. He'll grab like a Kleenex to pick something up yeah, and, and then dispose the of it and away, stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's very, uh, very much quarantined himself uh-huh. in this hopefully sterile apartment. Which I mean, this all goes into like that that thing when a rich guy is cornered by the reality of death is basically like yeah you can't buy your way out can't do a damn thing it. about it yeah. right so like he's he's trying to avoid germs at all cost but like it's driven him to madness basically because as we know the bugs aren't really there it seems mm-hmm. right like, it seems like he's imagining all the bugs because, like, he keeps talking about the bugs and everybody keeps dismissing him. And then even, you know, Mr. White shows up to deal with the bugs and it's like, there are no bugs. Yeah, there ain't any bugs. Yeah. 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 That's kind of kind of interesting to me mm-hmm. with this one. It's just like, what is actually real and what's what's going on here? Yeah. You know, I've heard some people like kind of theorize that the fact that his whole apartment is white means that he's in like a white like padded cell yeah i thought that myself while watching it most recently like, and he's I wearing like a, a bathrobe and loose clothes yeah, it seems very and, and the way they like all, all crazy. talk to him is all kind of like uh like oh yeah we know you're crazy like yeah well, i'm gonna get in there and get rid of them bugs yeah yeah it's that kind of thing which is kind of cool if you look at it yeah. from from that perspective you know but he's a total piece of shit and absolutely he's, and he's played by Clark Griswold's father-in-law. That's true. The little lights. <laughs> they aren't twinkling. Art. You know who else works hard? Washing machines. <laughs> That's my favorite. He's like, he worked very hard on this, dear. You know who else works hard? Washing machines. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's him that says that. Or no, that might be the really old guy that says that. Yeah, I the, yeah. I, I think so. Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah. God, oh, I, I love, I love justification. It's the best. And he's just a big piece of shit. He's like very much an... Ebenezer Scrooge type character. Yes. 
yeah calling around his disney vacation telling him he has to come back or whatever yeah he finds out uh, one of his guys like killed himself yeah well, he finds out that one the guy whose company he's buying killed himself which he says is good because now they don't have to put the old bastard on the board so yeah. like he, he doesn't care about people he's not not in the least bit worried about the fact that people are going to look bad on him when he dies. Like he doesn't give a shit about any of that. And that guy's wife like calls him and is like, yeah. I hope you get cancer and all yeah. this crazy shit. Yeah, a like, lot of people hope I die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, go fuck somebody. Oh yeah. No, he says that to his employee, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go fuck somebody. And wear, wear a rubber. Wear a rubber. <laughs> Everybody these days got that herpes or whatever. Go fuck somebody is like, I like that better I than really, go fuck yourself. I do too. Because it's like a positive. Yeah, it's I don't like, know. Whatever. Go fuck somebody. Go fuck somebody. It'll change your perspective. <laughs> <laughs> go make a connection. <laughs> but yeah, this one basically, yeah, the guy's like all alone in this sanitary apartment with his cool, crazy jukebox. Yeah. The look of this is definitely, like he says it's a $3,200 a month apartment and... There's not much in there. No, there's nothing. I mean, in there's there. space, but like he doesn't have anything. Re- like, does he have a bed? Oh, he does. He yeah, ends he's up got the bed. It. Yeah, yeah. And it's inside of like a further chamber that's yeah. like sealed More off from insulated. even the rest of the apartment. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And the cool thing about this is that whenever his house starts getting majorly infested by all those cockroaches and stuff. I mean, all of that shit is real. They yeah. actually wrangled in yeah, all about these 20,000 cockroaches. Um, oh, my God. That's disgusting. George Romero reported it at a fan conference as 200,000 or 250,000. I'd be a big chunk of but money. But Tom Savini says 20,000, and they were like, Sups, they were like made to look like there were more using nuts and raisins. <laughs> Just good old... Peanuts and raisins. Yeah, just, I mean, like, the, the colors matched, so, like, you just put a bunch of roaches over them, so any of the empty spaces, you still see what looks kind of well, like That, that makes sense, yeah. If you got those scenes where, like, there's a big mass of them all yeah, in, like, like, a big when there's blob. Like, like, that huge pile of them in there, yeah. Yeah, there's no need to actually pile them that right. deep. Yeah, that's crazy. But they apparently had just a hell of a time. Mm-hmm keeping these things on set and stuff yeah. like they uh they estimate that this introduced this entire new species <laughs> of cockroaches and stuff into pittsburgh because <laughs> you can't contain them i mean dude roaches if you've ever had them you know they will scuttle in between anything and everything there's no keeping them together and contained and now they're just fucking living off scrapple and salads with french fries on them exactly right yeah. pittsburgh stuff i pittsburgh guess Pittsburgh stuff just pittsburgh yeah. stuff a primanti sandwich cheering for the pirates go pirates probably yeah don't they have that uh what's that that beer that they have it's like steel city beer or something mm-hmm. like that probably i can't remember what that's called right now our <laughs> pittsburgh listeners are just going nuts <laughs> yeah. on me right now I, I don't know much more about pittsburgh yeah i'm willing to learn though I'm willing if to any learn. place that puts fries on a salad has got my fucking thumbs I'll up. I'll take it. Make that, that salad awesome. fun. Yeah. Why not? But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nasty. And they just had bugs crawling fucking all over that guy. Ugh. Disgusting. 
I have heard that cockroaches actually clean themselves after we touch them. Oh. Because they're not actually dirty cockroaches. Are you sure about that? That They nasty. They do seem to be nasty. I can smell them. Can you smell them? No, but okay. Kate can. Yeah. And you said that you can smell yeah, them. I can smell them. My wife can smell them. It's the worst Ugh. thing. What's it smell like? What's that smell like? God, I don't know how to describe it. It's, Shitty? Yeah, because like, it's not like, it's it's musky in a sense. Okay. But it's like, it, it's unmistakable. You walk into a like place. Like cat piss or something. Like a lot of places that have cockroaches will have like cat piss or whatever other smells going on with it. But you walk into a place like uh, I, this one uh, apartment building. We were getting a new apartment in Russia. This one apartment building we went into, the apartment looked spotless and smelled fine, except I could smell there were cockroaches. Ugh. I could smell them clearly. And I told the lady, it's like, I smell cockroaches. And she was like, there's some cockroaches. There are some. There's some cockroaches. But here's what you do. You just go get this little gel and you put it on the back of your stove and they'll be gone. Wow. And by the way, that did work. We did oh. end up moving. <laughs> wow. Dude, that so reminds me of this time. You know, I uh, I teach a couple days a week down at the Guitar Vault. Yeah. In Morristown, Tennessee, and Morristown, a, a pretty, pretty low rent, low income, <laughs> yeah, just factory town. Mm-hmm. It's no, you know, burgeoning metropolis. No, uh, not the home of the Philosophers Guild. They do have pals, though. I mean, that's where we Some met. Good fries. That's so true. It's a great place. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's uh, just like everywhere else, cool people wherever you go. It's true. Got to seek them out. Mm-hmm. But there was a time that a guy brought a guitar in. That he wanted, like, modified. Like, he wanted yeah. this... Uh, it was, like, a cheap piece of shit guitar, but he had this, like, crazy... You want you guys to put a scope on it? He wanted a scope and the laser sights. <laughs> okay. And a pair of truck nuts. All right. Yeah. And we said, well, all right. We'll Customers put always put these truck nuts the on there. And, like, some, like, skull knobs uh-huh. and stuff gotcha. like this, right? Just tacky garbage right. shit. And so, as Corey who owns the shop was like taking the guitar apart to put these new parts on there. Like a fucking roach scuttles out of the guitar. A roach came out of the guitar. And Corey, they can can live like they can eat glue and live off it for a long time. They're the ultimate survivors. Yeah. I mean, they really are. You can't kill the fuckers. And so, you know, Corey immediately is just like, Oh my God, fucking disgusting. And, you know, like, calls the guy up, and he's like, hey, man, we have kind of a problem here. He's like, I was working on your guitar, and there's, there's like, roaches inside of it. He's like, there's bugs, like, in your guitar. Mm. He's like, I can't have those here. It's going to infest the whole store. I need you to come take care of this. Oh, uh, I'll be right down. Like, in my head, man, if I brought in a guitar for somebody to work on and cockroaches came out of it, I would be like, all right, I'm changing my name, leaving yeah. town. You'll never yeah, see me again. I'm going to move to a new state. Yeah, the <laughs> my person name is I am Fernando now. now. Yeah, the, the old me that is, Abba is song dead is now. about me. Fernando. <laughs> like, I would just be like, well, my old life is gone now that somebody knows that I'm nasty enough that my instruments have roaches inside of them. Yeah. Goodbye, life. Bye. Yep. Cutting bait. Moving on. Gotta go. This guy comes in, gets his guitar. He also has under his arm a like one of those big like spray pump bottles of like Raid. Oh no. 
dude, dig this. This guy gets that guitar body and takes it out on the sidewalk in front of the store. There's like these like concrete benches out there. He puts the guitar down on the concrete bench, sprays it a few times with this pump action liquid rage. I mean, newsflash, you shouldn't spray liquids all inside your guitar. Probably not. Probably not a good idea. There are some electronic parts. It's made of wood also. And so he like sprays it down, kind of like picks it up and like drips it off a little bit, takes it back inside the store and is like, (laughs) there's only like one or two in there. Okay. 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 There was only one or two in there. Only one or two. I mean, how many do you have in your guitar? That's true. That's true. I mean, right now... Four or five, at least. Probably four or five per guitar in here. I should think so. That's (laughs) less than normal. Less than the average number of roaches in your guitar. Like, dude, could you fucking imagine going to a place of business, Mm -mm. picking up your roach-infested guitar, Mm -mm. hosing it down with bug killer in front of the shop, then Mm -mm. taking it back and being like, I don't know why you freaked out. There's only like one or two roaches left in there. Yikes. Holy shit. Cockroaches really gross me out. But like, they, they destroy my wife. Like, she... Yeah, Kate gets the full body shivers. Like, yeah. oh my god, fuck. Yeah, she just wants to die if she sees a cockroach. Yeah. And she wants to clean everything ever. Right. Like, everything must Unclean. be made clean again. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's gross. That's the thing about this one is, like, it's unlike gross. all the other things where you see it, and it's like, okay, there's special effects of, like, somebody blowing their head off or blood and gore. That's gross. There it's are fake. cockroaches on that guy. Yeah, those are real. Everything here is fucking real. I mean, at the end, that's obviously like not his body or anything. Yeah, when they like, like explode he definitely out of throughout had cockroaches on him, all up on. So fucking grody, man. It's really cool. Like I know a lot of people are like, oh, this is just really inconsequential and very short and pointless. But I like the whole concept that it's this guy that is living in his ivory tower. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's cut himself off from everyone and every germ and everything that can infect his life. And but no. Yeah, but it's like it follows you everywhere you go. I mean, and that's the, that's the thing that I get out of it, too, is whenever the dude comes in at the very end and we realize there's no bugs in the apartment at all, but this yeah. guy in his own little private chamber within his private chamber yeah. has just been eaten alive from the inside out by these things there's no reason the bugs should be inside of them no but how they, would they have gotten there? they explode out of them from the inside yeah. out you realize that it's just like all of this shit that he has inside of him will follow him wherever he goes the problem is him the yeah. problem isn't all these other peons walking around on the streets uh that he's separated himself from he's the problem yeah i think that's really cool personally i think it's a good story yeah um and I think I think especially considering like the rise in greed in the eighties. Oh yeah. You know, like to have this message of like, yeah, man, you can try to wall yourself off from the world and have all the money you want, but like you can't escape your own fucking fears and yeah. mortality, everything. And mortality, yeah. Yeah, you can't buy your way out of that no matter how much you try to yeah. purchase that sort of protection. Yeah. Everybody's so, got a price. Yeah, for me this is also pretty good it's i think it's cool i mean it's uh, better for me than the the crate i would say uh it's around a probably around a six i'm gonna call this i'm gonna call creeping up on you more like a seven and a half i think i think that it's pretty fucking cool yeah i think that i think that lonesome death is my favorite yeah in this whole thing 
Um, and then probably my least favorite, I'm going to say, is the crate, I think is my least favorite one. Okay. But they're all cool. They're all definitely really cool. And then here at the very end, we get kind of the the wrap-up of the framing narrative here. Yeah. Where the, some, the garbage men. Yeah, we get some Tom Savini. As a uh, trash as man. As a garbage man. Um, and we have the voodoo doll, which... Uh, Joe King kills his dad by stabbing a voodoo doll over and over and over in the throat. And kills him. And he kills him. Well, here's the and thing. That's that, the end. That I'll put out about that that's so fun. Like, all this stuff happens within. I mean, this whole last framing bit is like maybe a minute. A lot of stuff happens really fast. Yeah. Where they pick up the 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 comic book from the trash yeah, and like through it and yeah it's like oh we ads. could send off for this oh it looks like somebody's already sent off for this one it's like the, the voodoo, voodoo doll, doll. Yeah. and the mom inside of the house is like ironing the dad's clothes and then he has like a cough well here's the thing did you notice whenever she's ironing his shirt she picks it up and there's like a section cut out of the shirt uh uh-uh. uh okay I didn't think much of it until I got to the very end. So she's ironing his clothes, okay. and she holds up the shirt, and there's like a section cut off of it, and she's okay, like, she so kind of shakes I, her head, like, that's oh. part of the voodoo doll. Yeah, right. Okay, it's like a yellow shirt, and then whenever you see Joe Hill like stabbing the voodoo doll, he's wearing like a little yellow shirt. Huh. I know. Just like the weird detail to think. Wow. Oh, and also he should have made it out of part of one of his dad's shirts. Cool. It's cool, yeah. man. It's definitely neat. I mean, ultimately, the framing narrative is like kind of inconsequential i guess yeah it, but i, I still mean like it. it sets up the theme i was talking about of the dad authority yeah. figure thing but other than that there's not a whole lot it's real quick too like the opening bit is quick and the closing bit is quick it's not like tales from the hood or anything like that where yeah, there's like that? a driving storyline right. where oh now let me tell you about this tale before uh-huh. we get the shit <laughs> oh you'll get the shit Oh, you will most definitely get the shit. <laughs> You're going to be knee deep in the shit. I, lo- I love I love that movie. He's so awesome. But yeah, the, the framing device in this isn't really a driving force. It's mainly just bookends more than anything and introducing the comic book yeah. style. Mm. But to me, it's still way sick. Still good, yeah. Um, the one for Tales from the Dark Side was good. That was the one with the little kid and Debbie Harry. Debbie had Harry, yeah. yeah, tell me stories while yeah. you put me in the but oven. But again, and that shit. one was like through uh, in between each episode, yeah. there was more of it. Whereas this, just beginning and end. Yeah. Um, and I think that keeps it tight. This movie is two hours long. And yeah, it's it's pretty big. If there would have been more of that framing narrative, yeah. it would have drug out. I think they had Ramirez cut ten minutes for distribution purposes so there the is conceivably a two hour and ten minute cut i imagine the 10 minutes isn't very important yeah i should yeah. think i mean to me all the stories feel yeah i was gonna pretty, say pretty nothing complete. seems to be missing yeah, yeah pretty much to me lots of good acting and like i said there's a lot of like leave it up to your imagination stuff in the stories mm-hmm. but to me the the actors all pull it off so well that you're like i think there was something they meant by this yeah. and i can fill in the blanks myself yeah and I'm fine with that, you yeah, know? Yeah, me too. So, yeah, I, I think if we just gave this an overall rating, what would you give it? I, I'd say this is about a seven and a half. Seven and a half. I'm going to go I'm gonna go a solid eight. Okay. This is one of those ones that I think it probably, if I would have like grown up watching it, I would probably have the sentimental feelings about. Maybe. I And I do for sure. And I'm trying to look past them because what I'm thinking is like, this is a classic horror anthology and one of the most important. But when I think about 
tons of horror anthologies that have come out in the past 10 years. It's like, oh, those are better. Yeah. Like, they're, they're way better anthologies than this. This is just a really good, tight, good anthology, all written by the same person, all directed by the same person. So, and all of the makeup effects and stuff done by uh, the same person. So you get these three guys giving you their perspectives on these short stories, which is cool, but that's not how anthologies usually go. Usually get a lot of different perspectives and it feels kind of like you're changing. Like I think changing channels or something. Anthologies go fast because it feels like you're changing channels. Like you're like, Oh, I watched that bit. That's cool. Now I'm going to watch this bit of this and this bit of that. Uh, but this is a classic. For yeah, sure. I agree, man. I agree. I really enjoy it. Uh, again, great for the special effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, great for soundtrack stuff and all the framing and comic book panel stuff that they did in this. I think is yeah. really cool and innovative. And it was a big risk, too, because I could imagine a lot of people watching this and not not getting it back then. Yeah, I can, too. The, the Tales from the Crypt movie had come out a few years before this, but it was, uh, I believe, first off, it was a British horror film and it had more of that driving narrative in between and tales from the crypt was a known property because of the popularity of the comic so right this was a little more out there a little different so yeah it made but made money so they knew what they were doing yep, yep. i'm a fan one day i definitely want to do creep show 2 on here yeah. uh-huh. which i actually saw obviously before creep show 1 yeah so I kind of have a little bit of an affinity for it. I think there's some really cool segments there in are. Creep Show too. Yeah, the, I think that the Hitchhiker is the Hitchhiker really, really cool. Good. Yeah, and the raft, the, the raft, raft is really sick. That one's yeah. There's some stuff in there that's not good, like Chief Woodenhead or whatever. That's yeah, that's not great. That's got issues for sure. It does, but there's some other stuff in there that's pretty dope. So we'll cover that on the show some, some sweet point. day, some sweet day. Well, in the meantime, Steve, before we tell them what we're going to be doing on next week's episode, let's plug our shit at Dead Lovely Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, uh, Dead Lovely Horror Movie Podcast on Facebook. Yeah, we have a Discord. If you want the link, I've posted it several times. If you Still haven't seen that? Email me. I'll give you the link. See uh, dead and lovely pod at gmail.com. That's our That's right. email address. That's where you can reach and us. Head on over to our Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. And you too can decide which movies we do in the future. Take the power away from the 1%. Yes, that's what they say. Uh-huh. Um, just last week, we did Tim Stone's suggestion, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And it, upcoming in October, we're going to have another drawing. So go on over there real quick. Become a $5 patron. Submit a movie title. And yeah, maybe yeah. we'll be covering it in October. Yeah, damn right. Be like one of the cool kids who's like, hey, you know that sick new episode of Dead and Lovely? Yeah, that was my idea. Totally. Uh-huh. That's why I'm so popular and cool now. Yeah. I'm so cool, bro. That's, this is how our fans all talk. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that nah. they're all from the valley, y'all. Nah. Aw, totally. <laughs> should do a whole episode like that sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Let's do Clueless and do that. <laughs> yeah, and then our Patreon is like, zero dollars. <laughs> Negative. We now owe people you money. You owe Patreon <laughs> yeah. money. We're taking your money now. <laughs> all right, you guys be sure to tune in next week. We're going to be talking about Poltergeist. Hell yeah, we are. Which is one of my fucking faves. Yeah. 
I love a good Poltergeist. Way to kick off Spooktober. That's right. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? That's what I'm calling it now. Spooktober. I think I, other people have called it that. I didn't make that up. We'll go with it. We'll yeah. go with it. And you know, by then, boy, that's a crazy thought. By then, we might be recording in a new place. Um, Kate and I might be living in a little temporary housing scenario, or have maybe bought another house by then. That'll be cool. So by the time we Everybody start, everybody will next be able episode, to tell the difference. Yeah, but oh, the acoustics are way different in here. <laughs> I'll be way, way, way blackout drunk because I'll be like, my house fucking sucks. I'm <laughs> fucked up. If once I stop drinking, I'm going to have the worst hangover. But if I don't stop drinking, I won't have a hangover. That's true. Yeah. So Everybody that'll be a fun it. episode. That'll be great. This house is clean. This house is a mess. There's boxes all over the place. Oh. I thought you were going for some Zelda Rubenstein. This house is clean. Oh, I was. That's why it was ironic. This house <laughs> this is house filthy. Is, There's boxes. It's not clean. Exactly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's why it's funny. Boom. Yep. Agreed. Well, you guys be sure to tune in for Poltergeist next week. In the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes. If you give a shit. I hope you give a shit. I hope you give a shit. If you're listening right now, you probably still give a shit. Yeah, if you've made it this far, you give a shit. Yeah, exactly. So go on over, rate and review on your podcast app of choice. And we will be seeing you guys next week on another brand new installment of Dead and Lovely. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. You guys have been fantastic. We've been Drab and Lably. Bye-bye. This is Lably. Bye-bye, Drab. Drab, bye. I got to tell you, more and more that I think about it, I am really enjoying the concept of, you know, you go to like a wedding or something like Mm -hmm. that. It's been advertised that there's a cash bar. Right. And you go up to the bar to get a drink and you're like, okay, I'll have a, you know, Jack and Coke. And like, all right, what's your song? And you're like, uh, well, what do you mean? Well, it's a cash bar. You got to get your drink by singing a cash song. What are you going to sing or else you ain't getting no drink? Oh, I hear that train coming. Here you go, sir. Rolling around. How much? How far do you finish have to get the into the song? Finish the verse, and then you've got <laughs> I it. Ain't seen the sunshine since I don't, I don't know, know where. <laughs> All right, here you go. Moving on. <laughs> it would be such a long line. Yeah, yeah. especially the people who didn't get it. <laughs> what? What do you mean? What do you mean a cash bar? Like low cash? Sing a low cash song? Uh, okay. Absolutely not. What is a low cash song? I don't even know one. Yeah. Exactly. There we go. But then, like you're you're in line, and you're just like waiting to get your drink, and like the asshole in front of you starts doing like one of the gospel hits, like old, uh, old rugged cross, and you're yeah. like, oh, for crying out loud, I'm gonna be here all night. And then, of course, somebody comes along thinking they're real smooth, and he's like, I hurt myself. That's a nine inch nail song. He doesn't get it. No drink for you. <laughs> like, I'm thinking you get that's like what he says it's the drink Nazi back there. Yeah, no, no drink, drink for you. you. You get that like really annoying try hard cute couple that does Jackson as like a duet. <laughs> like they've planned this out. Like they've done this before. And you're just like They saw Cash Bar on the invitation guys. and they were like, Fuck yes. <laughs> they broke out the costumes. Yeah, they yeah. got the whole routine down and stuff. <laughs> then it turns out it was actually just somewhere that they wanted like currency for yeah, a drink. Like, oh, no, and they're like, like why are you fucking singing? Dollar at me? papers, please. <laughs> yeah. Everybody in line's like, What the fuck are they doing? <laughs>